We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. The Parkins and Spiegel Show. If y'all ready, give me a hell yeah. Oh, hell yeah. Kyle Turley and Jim McMahon are running for president because of weed. Well, I'd like to hear about it, potheads. Jim McMahon, how, how did you how did you get the top of the ticket? How did we get to be that Jim McMahon could be president of these here United States? Well, if Kyle wanted me to be president because he, he thinks I'm going to take a bullet, so he's going to move right in. <laughs> Perfect. We don't know if it was uh, Lee Harvey Oswald or a whole big thing there, but uh, he kind of got blown away. You know, we're, we're just trying, you know, we got to get rid of this two-party system. Nobody's... Nobody has any confidence in it anymore. I wish I had an easy job like you have. You have the easiest job on earth. <laughs> you smoke all day. Have you gotten high at the White House before? Well, I know that Willie Nelson smoked on the White House roof. I tried to get up there when I was with the Packers, and then we finally went with the Bears, so they wouldn't let me up on the roof. If we get in, it's definitely going to you'll see a smoke cloud above it. <laughs> Honestly, he might have my vote, guys. Let's investigate a little further. Could you? Well, could I you... know I'm more coherent with it than what the guy that is in charge now. So. <laughs> there it is. And, and, and Joan, Shingang, Shanga, Kawawa. Could you tell us uh, more about the platform of the Cannabis Freedom Party? Is there, what are some of your, your major principles what that we can think about? What are we about? changing? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The Safe Banking Act, rescheduling it down to Schedule 3. Uh, oh dang, there's five or six bullet points. They always tell me to talk about, and I always forget them. <laughs> I yeah, need to carry you're, around you're that little list in my pocket. Yeah. Now you're ready to run for office. I know how we can get Kenny out. Ow. Weed, man. We'll sell weed. <laughs> man, you can't up in the side to sell weed. You gotta know people to plug you into that kind of. I do. Wait. Wait, I think I got an idea. Why don't we sell that we smoked the other night, yo? Yeah. You suggested that already. For real, B? Marijuana affects the memory. One, two, three, and here we go. Here we go. Here we go, Tony. The Parkinson Spiegel Show. Afternoons from 2 to 6 on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. Because we're adding a little something to this month's sales contest. As you all know, first prize is a Cadillac Eldorado. Anybody want to see second prize? Second prize is a set of steak knives. Third prize is you fired. Steak knives for all. Steak knives for all. Yeah. Glad we didn't get third. No, that would have been terrible. That would have been terrible. Yes, uh, you are listening to the second best major market afternoon sports show. That's right. In these here United States. <laughs> according to 
Barrett's Sports Barrett Media. Sports Media, 50-plus industry executives, program directors, yeah, bosses, consultants. Mm-hmm. We're number two, baby. Congratulations. I, I guess. Yeah, I, I've I always guess. found those rankings kind of odd, a little uh, hard to figure out, sort of specious. But today's, I thought they did very well with. Uh, yeah, it was just unfortunate that Shane cost us number one. <laughs> well, I think that's on you for not controlling him. Yeah, I know. You could have right. quelled You're that. Right. I should have. I should have controlled. Yeah, that. absolutely. But we probably didn't even get the number one vote from our own boss because of that. <laughs> it's certainly possible. Yeah, it's certainly. I right. doubt Mitch voted as number one. He loves Felger and Maz. <laughs> Our boss voted on this. Yeah, that's another thing. Uh-huh. That, you know, but I mean, all well, he's vo- one of fifty-eight. Yeah, their vote, their bosses vote on it too. And we don't know who he voted for. It's a good point. It's, I'm guessing we got some but first place was, votes from our boss. It was, that's very cool to see. We, yeah, we enjoy this weird thing. We uh, we like uh, what we're doing. Yeah, we are proud of it. That's even right. Sometimes. Yeah, no, yeah. I, was, I was proud to wake up and see that news today yeah, and uh, love doing the show with you three guys and mm-hmm. uh, hopefully for many years to come. And but. I don't know if you guys experienced this at all, but when I told Steph, I told my wife, I was like, hey, we got number two in the whole country in this poll. She was like, that's amazing. Congrats. Who was number one? So I was like, yeah. There's a reality check. Oh, right that's, there. Where my, that's where my mind goes to. At my, my, my wife uh, had known a couple of days ago that uh, Mully and Hall got number five in the morning. and then, Three in the morning. Oh, were they three? Yeah, Excuse yeah, three me. Number three. Yeah. Good for them. Three yeah. in the morning. And then Lawrence and, uh, and, and Bernsey and Layla got uh, number four in yeah. the middays. She's like, oh, no. What did you guys get? Oh, no. <laughs> oh. She's covering her eyes. She's like, that's really? What, what, what is she just, She wants good things to happen. Everybody did a good job. The yep. station is incredibly healthy. And it's uh, it's a nice thing, but honestly, we're better than the Bulls uh, at this at this point. No, but you know what? You know where the Bulls are number one? I checked this this morning to to be sure that I still had this correct. Attendance, attendance this year in the NBA. This year in the NBA. Now their building is they little, are they are number one. It's a little bit number bigger. Number one. Yeah, building's a little bit bigger than a lot of other buildings. Yeah, but a lot of people would not fill a building. As big as the Bulls. Mm-hmm. They are number one in the NBA in attendance at home. Got to tell you, I really wish I was there the other night for that game against Minnesota. Right? That it's ma- entertaining. That, that mad push, the craziness that took place. Some likable guys on that team right now, too. How do you not like Andre Drummond? I enjoy the hell out of Andre Drummond. How do you not like Alex Caruso? Well, I'm glad you like him. Wow. Because you and Arturis like him so much <laughs> that they're here. But honestly, we talked about this a little bit the other day. It That number, with their being number one in attendance, as a business, justifies three straight trade deadlines of inaction by Arturis Karnishevis and Mark Eversley. It's directly related. It's not a theory. It's a little cynical. But these are private businesses. If they traded Caruso and DeRozan and it was just Kobe White and a bunch of guys running around out there, they would be worse. They would be less competitive. The building would not be as full. That's just, that's how it works. They've been supported when they've been bad teams before, Mm. but they don't want to risk it. I, 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 that that's inarguable. Frankly, it's, it's inarguable. It, it's inarguable, <laughs> and um, I don't, however, think it's the only thing, because I do believe 
that having watched the failed attempts at bottoming out with the awkwardness of tanking, the fact that they didn't quite fully do it the way they should have, and then even where they finished, they didn't end up with the kind of picks that could have been transformative. Like, they got lucky with the Derrick Rose ping pong balls. Yeah. Then the next time they tried to do that after years of ugliness on the tail end there, they tried to do it with Hoiberg and Garpax and try to bottom out. All they did was suck and be nothing and really not gain much stuff. And they end up trading away Jimmy Butler. They end up firing that front office, firing a couple of coaches and bringing in Billy. So I do believe that the NBA, because of the way it is structured, tanking is is very much unappetizing because sometimes you do it and it fails. So I think that's in there as part of the thought process too. Number one is what you're saying. Like they draw and they want to just compete and be entertaining. I'm sure they would like to field a championship roster. Sure, but this, the, the strategic Obviously, choice. Obviously, you get more playoff games. But the strategic choice of tanking is not always a successful one. And we just of, lived through it unsuccessfully. Of course, it's not always a successful one. Nothing is always a guarantee. It's just you need stars. You don't have them. You need to get younger. You don't have draft picks. You had at least one asset that the top NBA reporter in the world, Adrian Wojnarowski, who, oh, by the way, he loves Pipeline to the Pros, read it, blurbed it, endorsed it. Big fan of the book that Big you fan and, of the book. and your buddy have written that's yeah. coming out in a little Pre- while. Pre-sale, available now. It's right there on my Twitter page if you want to buy it, Pipeline to the Pros. But yeah, Adrian Wojnarowski on his podcast today had this to say about Alex Caruso. I, I think it's a little harder for Chicago to maybe do some of these deals with contending teams because they want players back. They're not looking to get draft assets, necessarily draft assets and expirings like other teams who you might, they want to reboot this on the fly with the Bulls. They want to stay competitive and they want to try to win. And it's harder if playoff teams trading for an Alex Caruso or DeMar DeRozan, uh, if if it's those guys, I, I think it makes it, it's a harder pathway to do a deal. And, and so I think that, that impacts it, this trade deadline because if they were just looking for picks, Alex Caruso would be – they would get at least two first-round picks for him. Well, I, I think when oh. you look back at the uh, OG Ananobi trade with New York, I think if you're if you're Chicago, that, that was kind of like the blueprint as far as with DeMar DeRozan. That, that's what you're looking for is – With DeMar know, DeRozan or with Alex Caruso? No, with DeMar DeRozan. Well, Alex Caruso, I mean, listen. I, you're not going to – I don't think you're getting two young starting-level players for – a DeMar DeRozan no. who's in out of his prime. And he's who's still an, a very good player. Yeah, he's and on then an expiring. Free agency. Sure. Yeah. He's on an expiring contract. But I think, you know, with, with Caruso, he's probably, for me, one of the top contracts in the NBA. When you had a guy at $9 million, not a partial guarantee he, next he's year. He's a guy who impacts winning. He fits everywhere. But that one's going to be, I think, with Philly. $9.8 million. Maybe the best contract in the NBA for a guy that impacts winning. He fits anywhere. Two Everybody wanted first him. round picks. You were talking yesterday about attaching Zach Levine to it. You wouldn't get two first round picks if you did that, but obviously you would shed that max contract. That shows you the value. If you could but, get two ones, then imagine what you might be able to attach to it to get off of your books right, but my if point you is, wanted to take that instead. It, right, it depends. It's what, a tool. It depends what you value. Oh. If, if, you, if you value just shedding Zach's contract, you attach it to the Caruso deal. 
if you value assets that you get back that could one day hopefully become Steph Curry, Giannis, your their lottery tickets. By definition, they would be protected. They'd be top three protected, top four protected, whatever. Yeah. But you shots at top ten, top five first round picks in the next couple of years. Yeah. That's that. And by the way, those things like if you traded for the twenty twenty seven Warriors first round pick, for for example, yes, like. And 2028, I know, was one that was out there for the Warriors. But yeah, whatever. They could very well fall off the table between now and then. Well, right. But I understand why a Bulls fan would be like, I don't want to wait for hopefully four more years for Steph Curry to be done. The Warriors organization maybe to not choose to keep paying for star players. Them be bad. That be bad. But it's still an asset. You don't have to wait for that pick. Now you have extra draft picks to go for the next build yes. as, as you move forward. And Caruso, love him. But he's not going to get more valuable in trades because he'll get hurt again, because he'll get older, because he'll get to closer to the end of his contract. And so they have now missed the opportunity to sell high on Caruso yeah. because an acquiring team would get Caruso for two playoff runs. Now you won't. So that's the thing. They are choosing to go for the play-in game this year and hoping that they make some noise in it this year and or that they'll be better next year when the Lonzo money's off the books and they can do other things. Because, man, I guarantee you they're extending DeMar DeRozan. Yeah, it certainly does look like that. There's no other possibility. And 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 I I like DeMar and I understand that they like DeMar. I get I get the value. You know, I'm trying but, to but, trying to think why I'm sitting here a little bit less angry than I was last year. And I think it's because Zach's not here. Like we knew last year and we obviously know now that the Zach DeMar Vooch triumvirate, that thing doesn't work. Right. You know? So watching that the rest of this year would just be like, are you kidding me? We're going to watch the same thing, and then maybe they'll get the play and they win one game, and who the hell knows? Watching a, a Kobe White DeMar and Vooch triumvirate with a lot more Caruso and now a Twin Towers Drummond, like, I feel like the rest of the year and the play-in at least – is going to be more entertaining than it was last year. A little bit that, of a higher I, standard. I'm not. I'm not comparing that's different, it. Though. Yeah, but it's I'm a not, different conversation. But I'm not comparing it to the 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 teardown strategically and how that would make more sense. But I am comparing it to what we are going to experience and live over the course of the next three months. And I think it's going to be a better experience over the next three months than it was last year. That's that. Yeah. That. Is fine, right? Kobe is young and 23 years old and ascending and fun to watch and likable and all of those things. He doesn't have the baggage attached to him mm-hmm. that Zach does with the max contract and clutch sports and years of underachieving in big moments by perception or reality, depending on your point of view on it. Yep. Uh, so I agree. Like I, I, I agree with that. But today's a GM day. Today's a big picture day. It's a vision day. Yeah, it's not a Billy Donovan day. Yeah. It's not a player day. It's not a Kobe day. It's not a Zach day. This is an AK day. Yeah. It's an Eversley day. And the vision is a choice of mediocrity. Yeah. And again, I don't know what was offered, but if Woj says two first round picks for Caruso, 
that offer's not going to be there for you again. And so then you didn't sell high to keep continuity of what? The nine seed that's under 500 and old and injured. And if people don't, like, I get it. You watch a game. You go. You do your job. You deal with your kids. You don't read everything. These are fork-in-the-road moments. Without trading DeMar, you can't lose him for nothing. They will extend him. 100%. Because DeMar wants to be here. Like that's 100%. DeMar DeRoz- so that means you are extending. You're going to get to watch DeMar DeRozan in a Bulls uniform when he's 35 and 36 years old. That's that. What is that? What is that? That's a, it's a good dude. <laughs> good player. Yes. Who has a very limited ceiling as your team does. I know. And you keep saying correctly, like, he's ready to be the third banana. Yeah. But without doing the other things, there's no path to getting the first banana. Yeah. So, therefore, DeMar remains the main banana. Mm -hmm. Does that make any sense? I don't know, man. I guess maybe Kobe White will take that mantle from him. I think Kobe White is setting himself up to be the top banana. And I would be fine with DeMar as the second banana or the third banana, but I'm not sure the bananas have ever been used this extended in that analogy. It's like it's second banana and first banana. Like we've never gone deeper into the bunch. Well, it's also just, we have old bananas in in Vooch and DeMar. That taste better, frankly. And they're good for pies and muffins (laughs) and breads. Throw them right in the blender. Yeah. Or or put two of them in a little uh, baggie and put them in the freezer. Save them. But but then Kobe's the really green banana. And so they don't go together. You would not eat those two things together, but the I, green banana and the brown banana. Ideally, when you're going to the store, you want one greener banana and then one yellow one, and, and you know, like you want different eras of bananas to be ready for your house the next few days. I would replace eras with age. Yeah. Well, I, I'm a big Taylor Swift fan, so I just <laughs> you know how I work. Famously. We'll hear from our tours. I, <sighs> we, we should, we should, can we create a drinking game with that bourbon that you brought in? Uh, I, I, got, I got a few ideas. You do for con, for for yeah. We, we're gonna call oh it the con, we'll call it the continuity drinking game. I brought the bourbon in to uh, celebrate number two, and also for Wani at four o'clock. Arturis is early. Well, he's gonna be at three. Okay. Oh, I'm just all right. Well, we can we can bank the drinks. Can I polish the bourbon off right now because I'm finishing up the Super Bowl pick segment for tomorrow, and I'm going to crap my pants. We need to talk about that too. Th- tomorrow at three p.m. Shane's most anxious day uh, of the year. Very much looking forward to this segment, even if he is very much not. It's Parkinson Spiegel on the screen. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Baseball is back. 
And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Everybody, we are live. The Parkinson Spiegel Show. Strange twists and turns with the guys over there on the Parkinson Spiegel Show. Afternoons on the score. We're having a little fun. For me, number one is continuity, right? Let's see how many times Arturis says continuity. He's early. Here is the president of basketball operations of your Chicago Bulls. Um, on the way to his recovery, uh, again, recovery is going to be from as as uh, listed before, four to six months. Um, we're going to miss him, uh, but uh, you know we'll see him soon and wish him well, obviously, in his recovery. Uh, circling back to trade deadline, uh, it was pretty busy couple days. Just uh, you know, um, you know, getting calls, you know, from around the league. It's exciting time for for our league uh, and front offices. Uh, but at the same time, um, you know, the, it was pretty much a buyer's market. And all of us, we wanted to be competitive. Uh, and I thought that it's a telling thing how I feel about this team and about the players on this team. Um, what we've been uh, watching all season long is a very competitive and gritty group. Uh, we wanted this group to be cohesive and start playing for each other. Uh, we've seen signs in the last uh, 30, 31 games. Um, last time with a few of you, I spoke when we were 4 and 15. Uh, I was not very happy. Um, I'm much happier now. Um, would like to smile more. Uh, but again, uh, it's uh, this team is very competitive uh, in every game, and we have aspirations um, to compete for playoffs uh, in such a um, conference with the parity, and uh, each team is trying to get an edge. Um, so I'm looking forward to watch uh, these players uh, compete with 30 games to go. Um, a lot of uh, positive signs um, I've seen during the season. Obviously, uh, you know, emergence of Kobe. Uh, Kobe's on a different planet right now. Uh, the way he's playing, uh, I would vote for most improved player. Uh, Io improved, and, you know, he's competing on a very high level. Um, obviously, Demar has been our vet that leads this group, and he's our closer. Uh, Vooch has been our constant double-double uh, machine and contributing to winning. And obviously, AC, um, everything that he does on the floor is just uh, making winning plays. Um, you know, obviously, Drum, um, he's been fantastic this year. Um would that be in the starting lineup? Would that be coming off the bench? He's been producing um, amazing. Um, and, uh, you know, and just emergence of our, like, young guys. Um, 
you know, like, you know, Julian and Dalen are getting some rotational um, minutes. Um, and uh, yeah, and uh, I forgot to mention Pat, uh, you know, who's, who's obviously injured right now, but, you know, he's got better. Uh, he was on a tear in the month of December, averaging 14 points. Uh, Io actually was on a tear in January, uh, where he posted 54% from a floor and 46 from a three and 90 from a free throw line. Um, I just think that there's so many uh, positive stories around this team. And the biggest thing for me is like if, you know, you look at every option, it's out there to improve your team. And uh, we didn't see anything that was going to make us better. Um, uh, we would take a step back, which we don't want. Uh, we want to stay competitive. Uh, we have obligation to this organization and this fan base and the city to stay competitive and compete for playoffs. And uh, that's what we're doing. I'm open to questions now. Zach so Levine, Zach Levine had surgery. That was with the start of that four to six months for Zach. We can go back. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. Arturis, I know you're, you're talking about the competitive thing and, and you like what you've seen, but mm -hmm. at the end of the day, this is a what have you done for me lately business, and you can be competitive for a quarter or two or three quarters, but your record is your record. And this group has shown an inability to be in that upper echelon of teams in the East. So it seems like you're chasing something that really isn't there. Can you explain that in a little more detail of what you're seeing that the standings aren't? Well, the standings are that everybody's bunched up. Like, I don't, I mean, I'm looking at the same standings, right? You're three, three ones away from a sixth place. So it's, you know, you still have 30 games to go. Um, as a competitor, you, you, you know, obviously this group is playing better uh, last two months and Again, I put faith in this group uh, to make a push for playoffs. Julia? Here, Therese, can you hear me? Yes. Okay. Um, you mentioned that you didn't see anything that you liked on the market. Um, what were you primarily looking for? Was it players? Was it picks? Kind of what, what was that, um, that search like for you guys in the last few days? I think... You know, you always look to improve your team. Um, and those scenarios were not coming up. Um, and, you know, we spent obviously a couple of days over, you know, uh, with our group. And uh, we decided to, uh, you know, you know, to stay with this group because that gives us the uh, best chance to compete, compete this year. And, you know, going into, into the summer, we could, you know, we obviously this year we control our pick. Um, you know, we have, you know, uh, a lot of our young guys that uh, took a step forward. So we're excited about that. And the combination, I think, with our vets that we have right now, I think it's a uh, it's a pretty good formula. Uh, injuries are part of our game, and it's 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 not an excuse. But if we look around the league, uh, the teams that are uh, successful right now are the ones that are staying healthy and we have numerous injuries right now in our roster and uh, we miss those players we're much better with them 
Casey Johnson, go ahead. Hey, Arturis, um, where would you kind of assess where the organization's relationship is with Zach, given how public his situation got um, since early November? And how much, especially with a third surgery now on his resume, how much of a burden do you think that contract will be moving forward? I think uh, we have great relationship with Zach, uh, great relationship with his representation and Rich Paul. I think we always work together. Um, and I think his thoughts are always about the team and he's trying to win and he's trying to win when he's healthy. Unfortunately, uh, right now he's going to have to wait till he gets healthy and but we are better with Zach on the team. Cody Westerland, go ahead. Hey, AK, you've made one trade since August 2021. Just how do you respond to the criticism that you might value, overvalue your own talent and that you aren't aggressive enough in in making uh, moves on that front? Well, I think, um, you know, what we did in 2021, the summer when we turned our roster around, I think we showed that we can be aggressive. In this particular moment, we didn't see, especially at this trade deadline, and market changes all the time, is when every team or most of the teams in the league are trying to win. Uh, it's a buyer's market, and and you know, and we are trying to stay competitive, um, and try not to take a step step back. And so you're looking at all the options uh, on a table, and we didn't see anything that. Can improve our team just a real quick follow-up what's wrong with taking a small step back if it makes you better at the start of next season's tip-off again it's a subjective way of looking at things it just depends on what was on the table right so at this juncture i'm always going to look at how to improve the team for now that makes us more competitive and for the future and we didn't have those options available Darnell Mayberry. Hi, Arturis. Can you hear me? Uh, yes, I do. Thank you. Uh, you know, there's a lot of fans who are not happy with you. And there are a segment of fans that's talking about boycotting the team. I'm not sure if you're aware of that criticism that, that so many are talking about. But another school of thought is that you're doing exactly what you're supposed to do, which is field a competitive team fans can root for. Not the best, but not the worst. Do you feel like you're accomplishing what your bosses expect of you? I think so. I, I mean, I think, I mean, since I came here to Chicago, I think I wanted to have competitive team, uh, which I think we came up with a formula in 2021. Uh, we have somewhat of a success. Um, uh, took a, obviously, step back with some injuries. Um, but my objective doesn't change. I would like to compete, and like I'd like to compete with the best teams. Uh, this particular team showed that they can compete with the best, and that's what I'm excited about. You know, going with 30 games to go. Um, any adjustments in the future that we have to make? Uh, again, I'm very positive about that as well. You know, like I said, you know, we control our pick this year, and you know, and and then going into the free agent agency, I think we we pretty positive. You're listening to Sports Radio 670, The Score, WSCR HD Chicago, WBMX HD2 Chicago, and Odyssey Station. 
calls this team competitive and gritty. They went from four and fifteen to twenty and twelve. Says he has an obligation to mm. the organization and to the fans to remain com- competitive. He says they are three wins away from sixth place. That doesn't track. They're actually four and a half games out of sixth place. They're five games away in the wins column, so I'm not sure what he's thinking about there. I I am not either. Um, Called himself busy, but another period of inactivity. Lines are open at 312-644-6767. We're monitoring the rest of it, but uh, it's going to be repetitive at this point. We also have some details on the talks with the Golden State Warriors and why a Caruso trade did not happen there. All right, so we'll react to the explanation of uh, this team standing pat again and to quote, Chase the standings. Parkinson Spiegel on the score. The Parkinson Spiegel Show. Put him in the hole. Put him in the hole of fame. Parkinson Spiegel to the wreck. Killed it in a foul. I just think that there's so many uh, positive stories around this team. And the biggest thing for me is like if, you know, you look at every option, it's out there to improve your team. And, uh, we didn't see anything that was going to make us better. Um, uh, we would take a step back, which we don't want. Uh, we want to stay competitive. Uh, we have obligation to this organization and this fan base and the city to stay competitive and compete for playoffs. Man. And in that quote, and then a subsequent one that has just happened, I think we have arrived at the crux of the issue because we said we were going to continue to monitor the Arturis Karnishev's press conference. He is later asked if ownership would greenlight them selling and taking a step back. And he said yes, which has been reported. So that means it is Arturis's decision to stay competitive to chase the standings. And he says it's because he has an obligation to the organization and the fans. But if the organization is okay with him taking a step back, Mm -hmm. you don't have an obligation to them. And I think that a decent percentage of the fan base would be okay with it too. So what is the path that gets you to playing high-level competitive championship basketball quicker? Going down and continuing in the direction that you're going down or – getting worse and beginning the retooling process. Yeah, he clearly believes it's standing pat with this group. And I wonder how much of that is informed by how he feels about players around the league or how their pro scouting department feels because they haven't made a trade since 2021. He's asked at some point, what about a shakeup? You know, Cody Westerland, I think, later on asked, like, have you thought about shaking it up? He's like, well, a shakeup doesn't make you better necessarily. So he's got cold feet to shake it up. Uh, or any, he's choosing competitiveness himself. We don't have to point it directly at ownership, as is the uh, the desire and the tendency. And listen, he obviously could be covering for him, but like I said earlier, uh, he's going to extend Demar. He said, "I love Demar. He's huge for this team, for this city, for this organization, for our young guys. He's been our closer. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, when the time comes, we have a chance to keep him. So he's keeping Demar, and they've chosen a path, and the path is to get older with this team and." In his words, chase the standings. But we have to have a real conversation on if this is considered competitive. On a given night, it is. Okay. But, you know, that that doesn't mean that they don't stand a chance against anybody in the top four in the East in a playoff series. 
but on a given night, yes, of it's course. competitive. Yes. Um, from Casey Johnson, an exploratory trade talks with the Golden State Warriors centered on Alex Caruso. League sources said the Bulls inquired about Jonathan Kaminga's availability. That was rebuffed. That is a young, big warrior who's been at odds with Steve Kerr. The Bulls made clear in talks with all teams that they didn't want to trade Caruso, especially for a package of perhaps other young pieces like Moses Moody, so they would need to be floored by an offer to do so. So they wanted Jonathan Kaminga, and when that wasn't coming, they didn't really get further with the Golden State Warriors. All right. Listen, it's exactly what I expected. I love the afternoon drive. I love news breaking during the show. Love the opportunity to be passionate, rant, rave. I'm not I'm not that angry. I'm not that surprised. This has been telegraphed if you follow their actions for a long, long, long time. I disagree with it. I disagreed with it over a year ago. I would be totally fine with taking the step back because I think that's the chance to get star power. But the guy in charge disagrees. And they have had bad injury luck. But... Once you get consistent bad injury luck, I think you need to pivot, and they haven't done it. Let's hear from some people. Some people are here are happy with this move. Some people are uh, upset. Uh, we will go to Kyle in Peoria first. Kyle, you upset, man? Yeah, a little bit. You know, actually, it's nice to take a break from Bears talk, but it's still just a sad drive home because listening <laughs> to that, it's like, it just feels redundant. It, it, like, this is purgatory. We've gone through this before. Like, t- I think it was 2017, we had a chance to trade Pau Gasol. We stood pat because we thought we were better than what we were. We, we weren't. And listen, I can accept failure. Like, if we make moves and we, like, Lonzo Ball, DeRozan, Vucevic, and we think it's going to work, and it doesn't work. I can live with failure when we pivot. The problem is, though, when we don't pivot and we stand pat and we know what it is. We're a below 500 team, and we think for 30 games we're going to suddenly just magically keep that's going to change. I mean, complacency is a really dangerous drug when you're addicted to it, and I feel like I don't know if it's ego or the idea of being complacent, but one trade since 2021, we have not gotten better. We haven't made the moves. As fans, we should be upset, and quite frankly, these next 30 games are just going to feel kind of blessed to me. So, uh, And one quick point about the DeRozan thing, it, it's such a lose-lose situation. I love DeMar. He's been one of my favorite players since he came out having depression, and I've followed his career ever since. But re-signing him, oh, that just feels like we're trending towards being the Charlotte Hornets. Thanks, guys. Thanks for the call. Um, the thing is, is that they have found – their perfect organizational match in DeMar DeRozan. He's a pro. He plays hard. He's good. He's competitive. And he's loyal. He has no interest in going to a competitor. He has no interest in it. He wants to resign. They want to resign him. He's not a diva. He doesn't want to be traded to a winner or chase the next super team. He is totally fine with let's just let's line up let's play you know like that he is the he is the player representation of Arturis Karnaschevis he is I mean he 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 has higher aspirations of being on a uh, of being on a team that that could win he thinks this team can win well because that's how he approaches every game, that's, everywhere that's, he's that's ever been his whole life. That's how he's wired. So. He's wired that he, he thinks he's Kobe, man. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and by the way, he does train like that. And he does have incredible footwork and closing ability. And he's a marvelous player. He's going to go to the Hall of Fame. 
but he's getting a little old. And he's not quite as good as Kobe was. Basically, nobody ever has been. You know, but like he he really believes when he steps onto that 94 feet of hardwood that he can beat anybody. It's delusion, but that's the delusion of the great athlete. They started 4-15. and 15. Zach was terrible, and the team was bad, and they did not have the vibes they said they were coming out of training camp with. Since then... 20 and 12. So they have been playing better. Yep. It's been obvious, and the energy's been better. They do, as he was saying, play more cohesive than last year. They're playing for each other more, and it's, a lot of that is without Zach, in, in my opinion. So, all right, 20 and 12 in the last 32. They've got 31 games left. Right, so say, let's give them the benefit of that. Let's say they do it again. Let's yeah. say they go 20 and 11. Right. So it's, that's 44 and 38. 44 and 38 with a shot at the sixth seed. So 44 and 38. Last year, did that get you the sixth seed in it, the Eastern Conference? No, got you the seven. It would have gotten you the seventh seed. Yeah, yeah. So they need to go uh, forty-five and thirty-seven was the was the sixth seed last year. So they they need to go twenty-two and nine. You know, with thirty-one games left, got to go twenty-two and nine or twenty-three and eight uh, in these these final thirty-one to give themselves a realistic shot at the sixth seed. Good luck. And that's still just the sixth seed. George at Crown Points on the score. What up, George? Guys, aren't you excited? Like, how can you not be excited about this team? But I, I, I'm happy they didn't get rid of anybody. Uh, I just, I don't know, maybe it's because I'm just addicted to watching the Bulls. But uh, Are you for real? Just, yeah, I'm sensing sarcasm. I, guys, guys, I watch every game, and 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 you can, you can't help but notice they do play with a little bit more confidence without Zach Levine. Now, I've always loved Zach Levine too, but I mean the the proof is in the pudding. Like we're doing pretty we're doing pretty well without Zach. I I'd love to see him come back and everything, but but I don't know. I'm really excited about the last 30 games, and I, and it's very difficult for me to listen to people who don't realize how competitive this NBA has gotten. I mean, like, uh, this might sound crazy to you, but there's, like, so many Michael Jordans. Okay. All right. Right. Okay. All right. All right. You had us briefly, George. Thank you, George. You had us for a split second. There is, listen, the talent is amazing. We don't know what was actually offered in these trades. And being in basketball hell, uh, which many people would argue that they're in right now, but Watching a 25-win basketball team is miserable. There, there is truth to that. Oh, yeah. Watching a 45-win team, like, it, it, if that's what they can end up being, a 44- or 45-win team that busts their ass every night and has a good culture, is it, it, it's not the worst thing in the world. It's like, I don't but – but, it, but, but it's, it's much more likely that they will play somewhere between the two clips, between the 4 and 15 – and then the 20 and 12, and they will be like last year's team, which was 40 and 42, which is 500, which leads the league in attendance, which wins a play-in game, loses a play-in game, misses the playoffs, and all that happened is Caruso lost value. You have to pay Patrick Williams. You have to pay DeMar DeRozan. DeMar gets older. Vooch gets older, and then... You can't trade Zach Levine in the offseason mm-hmm. because he's injured and hasn't wouldn't have proven anything. It's a cruel nature of the sport that really makes this a unique conversation for basketball. If you were a football team 
with a realistic chance to make the playoffs, even as a wild card, you'd be like, hey, get in, and then you could win a couple on the road, get yourself to the championship game, or you could win three on the road and get to the Super Bowl. We've seen it happen. You're a baseball team, and you got a chance to get in. We all know that happens all the time. Yeah. You, you cited it. It did happen last year with Miami, but that's because they have the superstar in Jimmy Butler. Basketball, you have to have the superstar. It, you do. Yes. You do, and they don't have it. So it feels like and they're old. It feels like this. It's kind of an empty run towards the six or the seven or whatever it's going to be because you don't really believe in the possibility that when the playoffs come, you can make any noise of legitimacy. Correctly, I. That's what I'm confused at this whole thing. Like, why are we aspiring to the six seed? That's not what Bulls fans should want. Because by the way, well, Arturis wants it. No, I think I, I, Arturis thinks that they can win a playoff series. That's what he thinks. That's the stated goal. But I don't see much evidence. Like, if they were the sixth seed, mm-hmm. you know who they'd play in the first round? Milwaukee. Yeah. Anybody think they're beating Gian- playoff Giannis in a playoff series? Well, at the six seed, would they play that? No, because the— Milwaukee's the three seed. Uh, oh, Milwaukee's the three. Oh, God. Yeah, that's <laughs> what I say. Any of the top four. <laughs> Any of the top four, I, but I Boston, mean, Cleveland, New York. I don't know, but, but but right right now Miami's the three seed. Now Miami did beat them last year. Giannis got hurt, you know. So that dumb luck. Mm-hmm. Giannis Giannis got hurt, right? But it's it's a it's a. But this is Milwaukee. Bulls have already beaten Milwaukee. He would I, say to I, you, I, okay. Are you beating them in a seven game series where they're trying at max effort? It's hard to imagine because of the nature of the sport. I agree. Bulls fan Mike down in Florida weighing in. What up, Mike? Hi, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I am just uh, very, very upset. You know, the question should be, when will you be competing for a championship? I'm tired of hearing, well, six seed or, you know, just getting in or, you know, they've been below 500 now for two years. Um, You know, we're going to be competitive. I don't want to hear that. I, I I think we should be asking the questions of when are you going to compete for a championship? When are you going to when are you going to be a, a champion again? Those are the questions that need to be answered. We're just so delusional, and we we've, we've made everything so downgraded now. Ah, I hope we make the playoffs. I hope we make the six seed. Well, if we play a couple more games and win a, I'm, I'm, I, I want to know when they're going to win a championship. When are they going to be compete? competitive to win a championship not and for a while yeah not for a good long while not, not for a long time and the only guy on the bulls right now that i feel confident in saying will be on the bulls the next time they win a playoff series is kobe white it's the only one unless they win a playoff series this year danny yeah but I mean, if you if I if I set the over under at players on the Bulls roster right now who are on the Bulls when they win their next playoff series at one and a half, mm. would you take the over or the under? Because I don't think th- I'd probably take the over. Maybe maybe Io sticks around too. You know, maybe Julian Phillips is sticking around. Maybe DeRozan part when he's thirty seven years old. Yeah, yeah, conceivably. That's in a perfect world, right? We can see Zoe back on a basketball court. And he's working extremely hard right now. Um, so hopefully that happens and that's a reality. Yeah, so that's Lonzo Ball that he's talking about there from a little later in the press conference. So, so in a perfect world. Openly hoping, but in a perfect world. That's in a perfect world. Uh, all right, so let me ask you the personally cynical question about Arturis Karnishevis. Okay. 
as he dreams of a life in the NBA, perhaps beyond this, what looks better on the resume? Battling and fighting their way into the play-in a couple of years, maybe getting that playoff series, or being the guy who presided over the teardown and then it's a couple years of badness, and then if it doesn't work, then he's gone. Like, is there some self-preservation of NBA future going on for Arturis Karnishevis, if indeed this is all him? I mean, working for Reinsdorf is like the greatest gig in the world. I mean, Pac's got 17 years. <laughs> he's not Rick Hahn. I mean, yeah. I I don't think he's terribly worried about his job status right now. Rebuild, mediocrity, six seed, play-in game. Mm, but I, that will pivot to the negative. I mean, I don't get any sense that he's in trouble. Well, I, I just mean in general in his in his life, you know, yeah, like no, overall I, I, for I, the NBA resume. I don't know. But, I mean, listen, last year it was, well, there's a 28-game stretch. 28 games. 28 games. Just give me 28 games. Yeah, there's 31. Th- this year, right, 31 games. Let's just watch 30 games. Let's judge me after the 30 games. But they've been playing better this stretch before the deadline than they were last year before the deadline. Yeah. That was crap, and we all knew it was going to continue to be crap. Yeah. This yeah. time, it's 20-12 and 12 without Zach and with Kobe blooming, and we'll see what happens yep. from here. And, and, and again, None of this surprises me, man. Yeah, I know. Like it, it, it's it's just this is this is who they are. There's an experiential thing here, like from our lives as we deal with this. Like you're meant, you said, and you're right. This is a GM day. This is a big picture day. This is a big vision day. Yeah. Once this passes in a week, in a week and a half, if they're playing their butt off, trying, and they're competitive, and they win a couple of games here, the experience and the feeling. It was is probably going to shift back to hey you know what they're playing hard yeah let's see let's see what they can do because because I like the way they're playing right now as I actually watch them I I like the way they're playing a hell of a lot more than I did last year that's I, I, for damn sure that's such a low bar I know like, I I because I think that I don't think Vooch looks good and he just signed a contract extension mm-hmm. and I don't sense that Demar who still is at times amazing in his shot making and ISO creation ability. I don't like at some point that hourglass runs out yeah. and he's about to get a contract extension. Think so, about so, on, on Vooch because of the injuries and some of the necessity, like trying the twin towers thing, they're probably going to do it more often and they probably yeah. should do it more often. And that mitigates some of Vooch's uh, Vooch's problems to me. Yeah. I he likes passing down to, uh, to Drummond. Okay. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> I just I just put very little stock in. Well, let's we we'll talk about it. In a twenty and twelve regular season stretch, when a team is trying to prove something because they're professional and because their max contract guy with a bad attitude got hurt, that means nothing. They were the one seed in the East for half a season because they were trying more than everybody else. And they had Lonzo. Oh, yes, and they had Lonzo. They had the perfect point guard for this mix. But 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 even so, did that did that was that team a championship contender? No. They just for 40 games had the best record because they were playing hard and they were healthy in the Eastern Conference in the regular season. You can fool people by regular season stretches. I just there's nothing about what I watch with this Bulls team that tells me that four out of seven times they're ready to beat a team with a superstar or two. Or three. It's Parkinson Spiegel on the score. The Parkinson Spiegel Show. I was listening to those two gizmos giving you a hard time. And- Are we talking Parkinson Spiegel? You got My it. guys. Yeah. Afternoons on the score.
my objective doesn't change. I would like to compete and I like, I'd like to compete with the best teams. Uh, this particular team showed that they can compete with the best and that's what I'm excited about. Good, great, grand, wonderful. All right, here's a thought. And we got Dave Wanstead in 30 minutes. Yeah! Come see us at Benchmark. Yeah! On Sunday with the whole crew. Just got to have 100 bucks in your Circa account. And tomorrow at 3 p.m., you get to hear the greatest Super Bowl prediction segment in all of radio and Shane Reardon and his anxiety. You get to hear it well, simultaneously. Had, I think you get to hear that between now and then. Yeah. Yeah, and a little bit then. Yeah, like literally anytime you tune in <laughs> at any point over any week. That's why we're number two, baby. Yeah. That's why we're number two. Uh, but how about this as a, as a sobering Bulls thought? Gar yeah. Pax was better. Oh, no, no, no. I don't. Okay. No. Okay. What's the best piece, part of this Bulls team? Uh, Kobe White. Drafted by? Yeah. But, I understand, but drafted by who? Gar Pax. Okay. Best player drafted by AK? Io? Uh Io DeSumo, second rounder. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Lou Aldang, Taj Gibson, mm-hmm. Jimmy Butler, Joe Kim Noah, Lowry Markinen, Derek Rose. Mm-hmm. Say what you will about John Paxson, and Lord knows I said a lot. A lot of it to him. That guy overdrafted his position consistently yeah seriously jimmy butler at what 21 taj gibson i think was it jimmy 30 jimmy might have been 30 yeah, taj jimmy, gibson was down like to the 26 20s. i think i this is from memory i think yeah. i think taj was like 26 and jimmy i'm pretty sure was 30 I, i'm just saying like pax had serious flaws obviously couldn't recruit the big free agent um their their front office they they were woefully behind in terms of analytics and pro yeah. scouting and everything like that. Yeah, they they were pretty narrow casted and like they went for high floor guys instead of high ceiling guys. Didn't take a ton of shots at upside. I think that Tibbs deserved a lot of credit for what Taj and Joe Kim and Jimmy turned into. Uh, and then he he would have never built a team that won real in the playoffs if he didn't luck into Derek. So like he had the problem with stardom. Oh no, but but. but Seriously, I, I'm man. Sl- I'm just slowly coming around to the possibility that I have to actually really consider this. That's a lot more time to have drafts and get things right. Yeah. So it's it's a lot of years and a lot of a, a lot of runway um, that they had. But man, AK has I, won nothing. I was so excited to see this kind of Denver approach, this European basketball approach, you know, this player development stuff that they were supposed to be bringing along. Look what they had done. This vision of an egalitarian style that they were going to run along with Billy where where Vooch would be the poor man's Jokic and they'd kind of do their thing. And it is it has just been so, so disappointing. And then it's the decision over and over to just stick with what is to keep going for the best version of what you have as opposed to wheeling and dealing and 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 shaking it up and 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 making changes and being bold there is no boldness since that initial boldness in 2021 there's been virtually no boldness at all right and they're number 1 in attendance and if you squint like my definition of competitive is different than his mm. His definition of competitive is apparently they're in the mix for the play-in 
games and maybe the six seed. Here's the thing. By that definition, only Charlotte, Washington, and Detroit are not. I, you know what I mean? If, if yeah. the whole purpose of the operation is to make the play-in series and have a shot at making the playoffs, <laughs> Brooklyn is a game and a half out of the play-in. He has uh, Toronto's four out, and and he has successfully transitioned to calling it playoffs. Doesn't call it play-in anymore. Play-in is playoffs, which it, which it is not. I know, but but that he has that was an issue last year semantically. And he would toggle back and forth last year. I All I heard was playoffs, not play in. I heard playoffs from him. Right. But this year, what did he say? He said they were three back of the six seed. He said they're when three they're back four, of the six seed when they're four and a half four back. Four and a half back of the six seed. Uh-huh. He's like, I'm looking misread. at the same. He's like, I'm looking at the same standings that you are. Like, <laughs> and, I don't. And then read different standings. <laughs> I don't think you are looking at the same standings that I am. Actually. Very weird. Boy. Very strange thing. Let's take uh, just a couple more calls on this. Nigel is on Parkinson Spiegel. Only making plans for you. What's up, Nigel? You, you know what? Being a, a Bears, Sox, Bulls fan is the equivalent of, it's like walking into the gas station. It's got the slot machines, and you got, like, your liter of pop that you're getting for free, and you're just throwing quarters in the whole time. Like, like, I, 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 like it's just embarrassing. You got, like, the Bucks owning the Bulls. You got the twins and the cheat or the the Royals competing to own the Sox. You've got the Packers owning the Bears. I mean, the Sky can't even get a hometown, uh, you know, superstar to stay here and build a team around. It's like the same thing year round now at this point. It's like embarrassing. Like I honestly would pay the higher taxes to build these stadiums if it meant everybody would sell. I mean, I, I will give the Cubs credit. I mean, at least they're like, forget it. The Brewers own us. Let's go steal their manager. Heck, that's at least a strategy. <laughs> None of the rest of this stuff is like a viable strategy. Like, like we're sitting here in this great city, and it's like it's like we're at the gas station, the slot machine. That's what it feels like. It's crazy. Well, the Blackhawks just lucked into their version of Derrick Rose with Connor Bedard. So maybe that'll be the, the start. Whole plan this year. Yes. That's the whole plan this year is to go. Hey, hey, that's what we should celebrate. We might get the first pick again and think of what we can match with him. I mean, is that what we're waiting for every 15 years for the Blackhawks to figure it out? That's wild. That's wild. Thanks for the call, Nigel. Thank you, Nigel. It's grim. Throwing quarters in a slot machine at a gas station while waiting for your free liter of Pepsi. That is grim. That is embarrassing. That's what he said being a Bears, Bulls, and White Sox fan combo is. That's tough, man. That is tough. All right. Well, only the Bulls. Thank you, sir. Only the one and only Chicago, Chicago Bulls. Bulls. Your coffee, Mr. Spiegel. Uh, thank you very much, yeah, Tanner. Yeah, wow. That needed to be there so I could say thank you and people would understand what I was saying. Yeah. I chose to go ahead and say thank you into the air. Here on a radio show. Yeah, no, it was a choice. You know? <laughs> it was a choice that was made. And I'll, I'll make it again, yeah, man. No, I, I know you will. God. Hey, but he's not paying the luxury tax, and they're technically competitive by that low 
standard. Yeah. Speaks, did so, you pay the luxury tax when Ryan went and got that coffee for you? I, I did. I did. I, I, he kept the change, apparently. Good. You're very generous. Last time I got coffee for you, you overpaid. I Venmo'd you 20. Thank you for paying for your coffee that I got you. <laughs> you're, you're welcome. That's my calling card on this show. That's, that's one of the things that I bring to the table that got us to number two is that I buy dinners uh, for the betterment of the group, yeah. and I also have a reputation for buying dinners even when it's not the case. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, you get a lot of credit I get a lot. For, <laughs> for buying a lot of things. You, I've noticed that. Yeah, it's true. Hey, I did bring the bourbon. I did, did bring, bring bourbon I today. brought a celebratory bottle of bourbon to have with Dave Wanstead. All right, twist my arm. Mm-hmm. Alex Kuhn's looking for ice right now. <laughs> That's good. Find it. That's oh, good. speaking of uh, speaking of the kitchen where you can find the ice, the video that Shane and Alyssa made with the great Kevin Lapka doing the edit of all different Odyssey radio hosts making an appetizer. Yeah, it's incredibly entertaining. Welcome into the most intimidating kitchen <laughs> in Chicago, where myself, Shane Reardon, and my friend Alyssa Bergamini here from Six Seventy The Score and the Chicago Bulls broadcast will be judging. The Super Bowl dishes. Danny Parkins from The Score. I got a package of hot dogs <laughs> and a package of bacon. Okay, Pepperidge Farm. Hillshire Farm. Farm. Okay. Wow. Whipped cocktail. You're serving us today. I am serving uh, bacon-wrapped cocktail wieners with brown sugar and maple syrup. Okay. Wow. <laughs> Can you talk about the cook process, please? Yes, please. Absolutely. <laughs> I got a package of hot dogs <laughs> and a package of bacon. Uh-huh. And Pepperidge Farm? Hillshire Farm? The, uh, the Oscar. It's we, important. Yeah, Oscar yeah, Wiener. Yeah, Oscar Meyer. Okay. okay. And I wrapped them, uh, the, the hot dogs and the bacon, and stuck a toothpick through it in okay. order to hold the bacon to, yes. <laughs> to the hot dog. And then I uh, crumbled some powdered sugar, or the brown sugar, and drizzled a very little bit amount of maple syrup. On top with okay. some uh, some black pepper flakes. Okay, before black pepper flakes. Now, Alyssa, that's something I've never heard of. Have you heard of black pepper flakes? <laughs> black red pepper. I've heard of red ones. I've heard of fresh cracked black pepper. Do you mean just pepper? pepper I just mean black pepper. Yeah. Just black pepper. I like okay. you're trying to elevate the words, though. Yeah. Trying to make it sound fancy. That's what I did. Yeah, you lost me at brown sugar and syrup. <laughs> They're sweet. <laughs> They're sweet. It's like it won. Thank I, you. I can't Spoiler believe it won. Yeah. It won. Shane, your reaction when you tasted it was like you were you were accosted by syrup. Yeah, I said I was assaulted. I, I said, really got met with the syrup there right away. Yeah, Alyssa did too. Right in the back of my mouth and the front and also on the sides. Yep. Yeah, yeah. it was a lot of syrup. <laughs> it really was, but it worked. But it worked. How does it work if there's already brown sugar? Well, it's, it's just it's you need extra two different sweet. kinds. Two extra different kinds. Extra yeah. sweet. Maybe yeah. more black pepper flakes. Um, yeah. Yeah, that one got me, dude. I almost keeled over at that one. <laughs> you black uh, pepper flakes. <laughs> Danny won a cooking contest. That's right. I, I, I did. <laughs> this is how it works. Now, he gets a restaurant, right? He gets a West Loop I restaurant. Sh- I should. He won a cooking contest. You get a restaurant. All right. Well, the, Congrats. the, the funder, funders, uh, the investors, they can they can start lining up. My DMs are open. Call it Danny's Place. <laughs> and drizzled a very little bit amount of maple syrup on top with okay. some uh, some black pepper flakes. Okay, before <laughs> black pepper flakes. <laughs> yeah. That's what it is. Gotta flake that off. You know, did you guys know that every flake of black pepper is unique? Each one is right. completely its own All right. thing. Now you're so not confident, man. Uh, black, uh, black pepper flakes. <laughs> yeah. So you know what I mean? Black pepper.
What would you describe them as? Uh, black pepper. Just black pepper. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right, fine. But what are they? Crushed black pepper. But they're not flakes. It's it's. it's they're corns. If it, you're using the whole thing. Correct. Oh, okay. It's a flake. It's not a flake. <laughs> it's not a flake. It's a pinch of black pepper. No, it, it's ground black pepper. That's what it, it's not a flake. All right. Texture, agree or disagree? Good suggestion. Now that you've won a cooking contest, you got to win a music trivia contest. Oh, that. Let's tough. go. That'd be very tough. Rock and roll Jeopardy. <laughs> that would be very, very <laughs> difficult. Dave Wanstead joins us in uh, 15 minutes. I'll tell you this. If you're hating this Bulls conversation, this Bulls anecdote, I do think we'll make you laugh before we get to Wani in 15 minutes on the score. The Parkinson Spiegel Show. We can erase it from the FCC. Afternoons on the score. Here's White. Drives. Floats it back. Vucevic with Edwards. Gobert with the help. Good pass to All right, Dave wants that in 10 minutes. So Andre Drummond has been playing nice basketball. Um, and the other night, he did the Sam Cassell. Enormous cojones. He did the big balls gesture. My my package is impressive. Yeah. And I've just shown you the power and majesty of my junk. Yeah, made popular by Sam Cassell, Major League Two, uh, plenty of other places in pop culture, I'm sure. Mm. The NBA. You had to have some marbles. Yes, nice, thank you. Uh, the NBA, evidently. Uh, evidently. They didn't find it so funny. They find him 15 G's. Man. Said it was inappropriate. Evidently. But inappropriate. He's gonna to make do the two ball the the big balls gesture. He's gonna make that back with the t-shirts that he is selling via his Instagram. That is the hilarious part. <laughs> he he an hour ago, Andre Drummond tweeted out now with a bunch of emojis a link yeah. to him doing the big balls gesture. <laughs> In a Bulls jersey, it like says Bulls. Yeah. I guess he owns his own likeness, I suppose. But I mean, that is definitely a Bulls jersey. Ooh, that's I a good question. I assume this is not league sanctioned. Nah, it's a very good question. For yeah. thirty eight dollars, you can buy an Andre Drummond Big Balls shirt. Uh oh, welcome to Big Baller Zone. Thirty eight dollars. Thirty eight dollars for a t shirt. I but I mean, it would help him pay. Yeah. The fifteen G. Hey, come on, NBA. <laughs> yeah, that's I, I, ridiculous. Didn't um, who's harmed? Who's, Where's the victim? Victimless crime. Somebody else did that. Another bull did that. Who? Nocioni. Didn't Noach do it? <laughs> I mean, Tanner, do you remember Andres Nocioni? I believe no. did it. He did a lot of things. Yeah, I think Noach did it one time, if I remember. Because Jay, Jay Zawaski was in love with Andres Nocioni. Anyone want to take a guess at Andre Drummond? Career earnings for the thirty-year-old. Anyone want to take a guess? <laughs> for Andre Drummond, he's he's still just thirty. He's thirty years old, but but yeah, I'll go forty-five million dollars. Fifty-two. All right, all right. Tanny, would you like to wager a guess? Eighty-three. One hundred and forty-five million dollars. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah. 
$145 million. What? For Andre Drummond. He must have got a massive extension after the rookie deal, and I, I, yes. I forgot. Yes. That first extension yes. must have been absurd. It, he made wow. $22 million in one year, then 23 then 25 He even had a year where he made $27.9 million. And he's got, like, a good, what, six years left in the league if he wants it? Seven? He's... This is his 12th year of the league. The guy's 30. <laughs> Play another six years. Oh, Andre Drummond's got a sh- – he probably won't get to 200, but he's going to – he'll soar past 150 in career earnings. And he's tweeted out – I just respect it. He's tweeted out links to a, to a T-shirt celebrating his big balls gesture <laughs> moment when he got fined 15K, and he's made $145 million, And he still has the T-shirt store up. I respect it. That's that's like good, a good for him. Yeah, NBA legend at the bank with mm. the, the entrepreneurial troll spirit of a sports radio host. <laughs> I love that. I like that dude. I do too. I enjoy that dude. I enjoy the way he plays. <laughs> I enjoy the way he gets in people's faces, and he seems to be in a very good place right now. Yeah, it's great. Good for him. A oh, hundred and forty-five million dollars tweeting <laughs> out links to the T-shirts. The internet is not hooking me up with any evidence of Andre Snocioni doing the big balls gesture. I'm very mm. sad here. If anybody remembers, let me know. Find me a link. He did something like that. <laughs> You know, Must have done something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He did he, something. Something happened <laughs> involving Andres Nocioni. I remember that series against the Celtics. There was a series against the Wizards with Gilbert Arenas when Gilbert Arenas hit a game-winning shot and he lifted up his jersey and he had a full lion head tattooed on his to- <laughs> on his torso. His whole torso. Wow. was a lion. I was like, oh man pretty badass is that is that when he went back in the in the locker room and i don't think those two events gu- were related when he put his guns on somebody else's chair wasn't that crittenden was yeah javaris crittenden? crittenden yeah that's a good pull yeah it was both of them yeah yeah but no i love those nocioni chants on that team back in the day that Coach, was a fun team that was a fun team heinrich gordon that was, yeah. a, that was a fun team this team could be fun once you separate yourself from the flawed big picture vision of the gm We'll talk to Dave Wanstead about Mongo, who's going into the Hall of Fame. Some Super Mango? Bowl. Mango? Not Mango, Coach, but Mongo. Oh, it was Marco Bellinelli who did the big balls thing after a three, and he got fined. Thank you. I, I messed I up. Had too many boulevards at Harpo's that night. That was against uh, Brooklyn, and we were in Hell Kansas yeah. City. That night. Hell yeah. <laughs> I've been there. I've been in that exact headspace. So I, my apologies to Andres Nocioni and the family of Andres Nocioni. I confused an Italian with an Argentinian, and I take uh, I feel terrible about it. Don't that. let it happen again. We talked to Dave Wanstead next on The Score. Going to pop in here for a couple minutes. I can say hello to you. Mr. Wanstead. Dave Wanstead. Shane, wake up. NFL head coach for 11 years. The Bears came in here and Dave Wanstead. There's a happy group of overachievers that have been well coached. College football national champion. A number of legends here tonight. Dave Wanstead. Super Bowl champion. Dave Wanstead, one of my, you know, really idols. Football analyst for NBC Sports Chicago. Jimmy Johnson is on it. He's going to be a victim of his own success because I think after this season, he's probably going to lose some players to free agency. This defensive team plays so well, and they're so well coached by Dave Wanstad. And here's Dave Wanstad right here, and the defensive coordinator of this defense that has been the number one defense in football. And this season will probably be his last season with the Cowboys because he's going to be a head coach in this league next year. And he's already talked to three teams, the Giants, 
the Denver Broncos and the Chicago Bears. Ball goes out of bounds with no time left on the clock and the Cowboys advance to the Super Bowl. something tall and strong Make it a hurricane before I go insane It's only half past twelve Five o'clock somewhere. Dave Wanstead, Super Bowl and Hall of Fame week on the hotline presented by Circa Sports Illinois. Download the Circa Sports app today. Good afternoon, Coach. How are you? I'm good, fellas. Everything is good. Yeah, just uh, I'm actually, uh, the reason I'm not on Twitch, I'm at the airport. I had a little pre-Super Bowl function last night, so I'm uh, hiding out here in a corner uh, in the Admirals Club. And uh, so I decided to pass on the Twitch, you know, just a little, little bit too much commotion, you know? Understood. You know I mean? Understood, Coach. What, what are your plans for the game? Where are you watching the game this year, Coach? Uh, well, if I'm not working, which I'm not going to this year, I will probably be watching it at home on the couch uh, with my wife and just enjoying the game. Uh, if I go to a function at halftime, I'm leaving anyway. So, you know, I don't stay around uh, the second half. I want to be home in place watching the game. So I'm, I'm looking forward to, uh, to just kind of hanging out, you know. What's a snack? What's the snack of choice for Sunday? Is Jan on the case? Do you get a do you get a vote? Uh oh yeah, I get a vote. Absolutely. You know what? I'm really thinking nachos. You know, I'm kind of you know, I just don't like nachos I'm thinking, so we'll see. I don't know. Yeah. It's um we'll fire something up there, but it'll be good. Watch the game, analyze a little bit and um uh, get ready to uh, play golf Monday morning. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's some someone's got to do it, Dave. Yeah. So it sounds so, it sounds like it may. I as like well the way you say nachos. Just it, yeah. it's a lot of authority. Isn't that, isn't that Jimmy Johnson's favorite snack? Don't you guys have nachos like every? Didn't you have nachos every Saturday night in his hotel room in in L.A. before you guys would do the Fox stuff? I thought that's what I remember. Well, we did, and we yeah. we had it every every Tuesday during our days at the Cowboys for dinner. Uh, <laughs> Mexican enchiladas and uh, you know whatever also fajitas. It's no, you can't beat it. It's very good. Uh, <laughs> don't get mu- don't get much of it. I still haven't found a spot in Chicago. I know they, what Uncle Julio's. I'll I'll go there sometimes, but uh, nothing like Texas for a good Mexican. You know, we can find you better Mexican than that, Dave. El Tapatio just won the Super Bowl contest right here on the score. Great place over on Ashland. They got a location in Glenview. They're bringing some in on Friday. So we can, well, so, we can find you better oh, there stuff. You there, there you go. There you go. Well, we got to get, when I get back in town, uh, I'm going to be there for the draft. I'm setting up my schedule. I got all kinds of stuff going. I got a couple of things in May up in Chicago. So yeah, we'll get, uh, we'll get a little, uh, we'll get, Try some Tex-Mex here at the office, but uh, absolutely. Okay. All right. right, Well, we wanted to, before we get into the game, and we want to do the breakdown of the game with you, uh, what was your reaction when you saw the reports that Mongo made it to the Hall of Fame? I am so happy, so excited for him. Really, so, so deserving. I mean, when you look at his numbers and you look at the guys that they're putting in, uh, I didn't realize with as many great players, Dan Hampton and Otis Wilson and Richard Dent, on and on and on, 
uh, I didn't realize that, that Steve put up the uh, numbers that he had. And I'll tell you, I had them for uh, my first year. And, you know, when you're trying to establish a program, you're looking for veteran guys that have been part of it, that do it the right way. And Steve McMichael couldn't have been better. I mean, we went four weeks, guys, of two-a-days in full pads, and he never missed a practice. I mean, the guy was just phenomenal, and uh, uh, I can't say enough good things. Uh, you know, the guy, uh, you know, it's, it's so tragic with his health situation. But this is really uh, a great honor and well-deserved and so happy for me. Yeah, your first year in 93, Coach, you've got Richard Dent. You've got Trace yep. Armstrong on the other end. But you got Steve McMichael. So Dent and McMichael is the two big holdovers. Age 36 for McMichael yep. at that point and just busting his ass. That's valuable as a teammate. We, we talk about the big personality, but him as a player and a teammate doesn't get enough love probably, Coach. I believe we ended up top five in the league in defense that year, too. Uh, no, he does not. In fact, I was talking to Dan Hampton about an hour ago before about this. And, uh, you know, Hampton obviously played with him for 10 years right beside him. And we were, we were, we were you know, kind of exchanging stories. And, uh, no, it uh, uh, doesn't, doesn't get any better than that. You know, I, I told him a story when we first went to Dallas, uh, uh, Randy, uh, oh, God, help me out here, the defensive tackle. Randy uh, White? Uh, Randy White was on the team. And we go out to the first practice, and I said, okay, let's go line up. We're going to you know, get in a stance. We're going to do this or whatever. He got in a stance, and he could not get out of his stance. And at that time, he was about the same age as Steve was when I came to Chicago. And, you know, just from being beat up, just like Steve was beat up, but yet Steve never missed a beat. It, it was really, uh, really impressive. It truly was. It's such a big help, you know? Yeah, I'm looking here. In 11 years, he played 16 games in 10 of those years between 83 and the end of his career in 94. Talk about durable, the unbelievable yeah, that, stuff. Yeah, like, like Pete Rose in baseball. Those young kids, don't, they, they can't do that nowadays. They won't. They won't. You know, they're not not tough enough, I mean, to be honest with you. So, uh, um, yeah, he was great. You know, I would say this. The only story I have is, I, I don't know if I mentioned this one or not. I, uh, I thought, Finally, he came to me, and I think it was him and, uh, oh, I don't know, it was Mark Bortz or who it was, a couple of the veteran guys that have been around and said, Coach, we haven't had a day off yet. And I said, well, do you want a day off? Practice good, we'll give you a today off. So we went out and practiced, so I called the team up, and I said, hey, you know, you guys have been busting your tails for four weeks. Now, I think I have four weeks. And I said, uh, tonight, day off. I said, but there's a couple bars in town. There's not many in Platteville, but do not go to the VFW because we're going to be there. The coaches, that's off limits, guys. Okay, great, coach. Boom. We, the whole staff, we clean up. We watch the practice tape. We go to the VFW. Who's sitting at the bar with his little pet chihuahua dog is Mongo. And we walk in, and he's sitting there by himself, and he looks over, and he sees us. And he chugs his beer, and he reaches in his pocket. He pulls out a $100 bill. And I think beers at that time, at that place, might have been 15 cents a beer. And he puts the 100 down, he kind of taps it to the bartender, and he says, all their drinks are on me tonight. And he walked out. I mean, it was so fantastic. Just a veteran guy, a mature guy that kind of got it all. And uh, Wow. Yeah. What can you say, you know? 
That's fantastic. Uh, yeah, no, everybody is obviously thrilled for, for him and his family, uh, and it is long overdue. We're talking to Dave Wanstead. Any reaction uh, or personal connection to Hester? I mean, a Miami guy or, or Peppers, obviously, an all-timer uh, making the Hall of Fame also? No, I, 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 you know, just obviously playing against him, coaching against him and so forth, but no, no, uh, no personal connection, like you say, except uh, – except for you uh, with Devin. But uh, no, I have not uh, ever really had much contact with either one of those guys. But it's great. Happy you, for him. Yeah, you know, what are we going to do to get the kickoff back in the game, man? There's never going to be another Devin Hester who puts fear in everybody's hearts if the kickoff just doesn't mean a damn thing, Coach. You're, you're exactly right. And um, no, you know, it's, um, you know, it's, it's a, the whole safety thing. Now I, I read where Roger Goodell said that they he's going to do everything he can to keep the football in the game. I guess there's legitimately people uh, putting it on the table that why don't we just eliminate that aspect of the game, the, the kickoff, the kickoff return. Mm. Uh, but he said that he would not, uh, he wouldn't go for that in his tenure. So we'll we'll see what happens. All right, so let's talk about the game a little bit, Coach. Um, something I've been dying to ask you. You said that you were worried that the Lions might, you know, that Dan Campbell might get a little emotional uh, or reckless ahead of the NFC Championship game. And a lot of people think that he did. And we talked about it. And then we talked about the Ravens completely abandoning the run game against the Chiefs. And that seemed very out of character. And maybe that was because they felt like they needed to do it to keep up with Patrick Mahomes. Is there any concern that because they're going to want to keep up with Mahomes, because they're going to want to prove to the world that Brock Purdy is good, is there any chance that Kyle Shanahan will abandon the run game against the Chiefs and what we saw on Championship Sunday could repeat itself during the Super Bowl? Well, I, I hope not. I mean, I, I think, obviously... You know, I think McCaffrey is the lifeline of that offense, you know, because as long as they're running the ball, uh, it forces them to whoever they're playing to bring an extra safety up or whoever. In this case, it'll probably be Reed, the safety for, for uh, Kansas City. And uh, and then it, it makes it a lot easier for your quarterback to say, okay, there's eight guys up up at the line of scrimmage now. So now I can figure out the coverage because there's one less in the back end. Uh, but if they can defend the run with four Kansas City, and then they have eight back there, uh, you know, and they're defending the pass, they can change the coverages up. And that's what if, when Purdy's had problems is when teams have done a great job with disguising zone coverages and mixing in a little bit of pressure, but mainly disguising zone coverages. In Kansas City, if you give them a chance, they'll do a great job of that. So hmm. uh, McCaffrey has to has to have a, a good game. And sometimes, and you know I've said this a thousand times, it's not how many yards you're getting running the ball, but you just can't abandon it like Baltimore did. You can't abandon it like Detroit did. I mean, was, that was, oh, God, I, that, was, uh, that was tough. And, and Dan Campbell... Hey, he's a young head coach. He's got young guys that have never been coordinators before. He really needs somebody on his staff, in my opinion, uh, that he trusts that can say, hey, Dan, you know what? Three scores is a huge difference for the offense as compared to two scores. 
And, Dan, if we run the ball and take the air out of it and just run it on first and second down, they won't have enough possessions to come back and score three times. So, I mean, there was a simple plan to winning that game. But, you know, Dan's all caught up in the game, the emotions and everything about it. So, uh, uh, that's what happens. That's what happens. Coach, you t- you're touching on it. This matchup of Steve Spagnolo, the defensive coordinator, and Kyle Shanahan's offense, when he's got all those guys healthy, <clears throat> all those weapons going, is just fascinating. They play a ton of man, does uh, Spagnolo with Legarius Sneed and Trent McDuffie. Would you expect them to change and, and play more zone? I mean, what, what's your move if you're Steve Spagnolo, Mr. Defensive Genius wants that? It all depends if we can stop the run. If we gotta, if we got to play man and bring the safety up, then it changes it. But if we don't, then, uh, then, then he, he'll, he'll, he'll disguise and he'll, he'll play his zones and he'll mix it up and do that type of stuff. So I think it all depends on stopping the run. That ha- that's the biggest factor in, in my mind that, that I'm going to see, you know, how, how, they, uh, how they handle it, what they do. You know, but, but Kansas City, don't lose sight that, you know, the, the last two weeks they've come from behind. Purdy's made plays. You look at their receivers, including Kittle, the tight end. They're 15 yards and up after catch. So are they great athletes? Absolutely. They can make guys miss. They can uh, run away from guys. But that also goes on the quarterback of putting the ball in a position where you can run after the catch. So uh, it's uh, it'll be interesting to see. Dave, are they not serving cocktails at the Admiral Lounge? People are saying that you know Dave without a cocktail in his hand is uh, is a different Dave than they're used to an afternoon. No, no. There's like a, a five year old on the other side of this. Yeah, we've heard that cubicle where I'm at that I'm trying to. Uh, take a cocktail over to that little guy i think you know okay <laughs> yeah yeah sure all right now i had me a bloody mary before we started so we we got we're good okay. we're good all right so what why do you think because even the casual fan can probably name seven or eight guys on the niners defense you know they've they've invested very heavily in it it's star-studded but it has not been producing the only guy who has even a half a sack in the postseason is Bosa. He's got two. Chase Young's been a disaster. Armstead and Hargrave have been disappointing for what they invested in them. What, why isn't the Niners' defense better than what it is? And they're the, clearly the worst of the two defenses in this game. Why? You know what was crazy? You're right. They got Pro Bowl players at every level. You know, defensive line, linebacker, maybe the best in the business, Ward and company in the secondary. You know, this week, Hargrave was on the news, and he was reading about playing harder, that they didn't play hard enough. I mean, how can you say that when you're in the in the championship weekend and getting ready for the Super Bowl? I mean, that kind of took me back that if they're not given the type of effort, it's it's disappointing for him to even say that. I mean, I would be bent out of shape if I was the head coach or defense coordinator and one of my star players said, well, we're really not playing as hard as we can. we got to play harder this week. But uh, you're, you're right. I think the matchups this week, I think Bosa, you know, he's going to be going against Taylor, the right tackle. If there was a guy that they might be able to take advantage of, it's probably Taylor. So Bosa needs to play huge this week. And and our own uh, local Nick Allegretti, you know, who uh, played at Illinois, he's going to be starting in there at guard, and Hargrave is going to have a chance 
to uh, to match up against him. So Hargrave and Bosa need to really get after it. You yeah. know, they need to really get after it. Boy, I, yeah, Allegretti's such a great story. Um, uh, <laughs> just, just it's loud t- tell, the, tell the kid to shut up. Yeah. Yeah, hold on, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna move. Hold on, hold on. Hold just, on. just level a block at that kid, coach. Yeah, really, really. Show him some good technique. You know. I'm, I'm, I'm moving. Don't worry. Okay. You're the I'm best. Be, I'm better. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, 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 it's quieter now. I'm gonna move down the hall. What if, the, what if that kid's sitting next to you on the plane, Dave? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to the, I'm going into the cockpit. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, you probably, probably know the pilot. Yeah, pilot, be thrilled to talk to you. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Tell him some stories. Some, I recommend the USC recruiting stories if you got to grease the skids to get into the All cockpit. Right, uh, all right, I'm I'm back in an area where nobody will bother us unless the security and they escort me out of this airport. So we're good. All right, good. <laughs> should, have, um, should have started there, Coach. Uh, what, what do you what do you make of Andy Reid going to five straight NFC Championship games and now going to six straight AFC Championship games? I mean, I know there's good quarterbacking going on there, but that's I mean th- that's that's legendary stuff, isn't it? Yeah, it it is, and you got to give him credit, uh, you know, and his staff. I mean, you know, uh, and obviously Patrick Mahomes, but you know, he's got a young team, and they buy in, and, and it is his advantage when you think about it. They're playing with house money. I mean, they went on the road and beat Buffalo. They went on the road and beat Baltimore, uh, and they've been to the Super Bowl and had success. So I'll tell you what happens when you go to the Super Bowl. You know, between the press conferences and your curfews. And the routine of the players, the meetings are different in the hotels. He's got the winning formula. So he, he can say, hey, guys, this is how we're going to do it. And the players will buy in because he can say, this is what we've done and we've won. So, I mean, he, I think he has a big advantage that way. Uh, and on the other hand, Kyle Shanahan, I mean, thank God for Purdy because, you know, he hasn't won a game. We're at one game in 30 before the last couple of weeks and Purdy's pulled him out in the end, but but the pressure is all on San Francisco. Purdy's got to play good to prove himself. Shanahan's got to win a Super Bowl. I mean, it, it just goes – Steve Wilkes is trying to establish himself as a legit big-time defensive coordinator. But, I mean, so all the pressure is on those guys. And, uh, you know, this, this, this is such a big game. I'm, I'm jumping here to Purdy because I just thought of a point. You know, three or four years ago, guys – this is the type of game that separates quarterbacks, right? We all talk about the great quarterbacks are the ones, they're all measured by Super Bowls. It's not by just numbers, how many yards they get. And right now, you know, hey, four or five, three, three or four years ago, whatever it was, we, Joe Burrow we knew was a talent. But until he went up and beat Josh Allen and he beat Patrick Mahomes, then we said, you know what? Joe Burrow is in that elite, elite category. He's one of the best in the business. Where everybody's kind of grinding on Purdy now, even though he has better numbers this year than Mahomes, he's completing almost 70% of his passes, blah, 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 on and on. But he still has to win a game like this. And then you watch what happens. He won't be just a game manager. He's going to be an elite quarterback in the eyes of the NFL. Wow. All right, that's a hell of a prediction. What's your prediction for the game? Who wins? Well, it makes me nervous because I like the coaches and I like the quarterback at Kansas City, but I am betting on the 49ers. I'm betting on talent, and I'm saying that uh, players win games, not coaches. And in this game, 
that the 49ers are going to find a way to win this football game. Hey, Dave, you want to bring back the bottle of wine bet? Yeah, you want Kansas City? Go ahead. You're All right, you know it. what? You know what? Actually, never mind. never mind. I rescind the bottle of wine bet. We started this with Mexican food. Margarita right. bet. The show goes out oh. to Mexican food with you. Whoever whoever wins the bet has to pay for the margaritas for the group. Okay, that's a that's a deal. All okay. right. There we go. As long as you pay for dinner, no matter what. Well, right, obviously, you're paying for the food. Yeah. Yeah, but it's Mexican <laughs> food. It'll be it'll be No, cheap. we're going to Mercadito. Oh, oh that place is great. That place is great. Shane, you're alive. You're with us. Good. How about it, Shane? You bring it. Uh, how about you get Mexican Mexican food into the office, and I'll we'll get the I'll bring the margaritas to the office. We'll have them right there on our happy hour. I don't really want to work. I just want to sit at a restaurant and have you pay for my margaritas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's right. Uh, you guys are the best. You are the best, Coach. Thanks for talking to us, and uh, enjoy the uh, enjoy the nachos. Have fun flying yeah. with that five year old. No, I won't be. Trust me. That's the last time I've, I'll be listening to that. You can book that, okay? <laughs> See you, Dave. All right. See you, guys. All right. He's the best. He is the best. Hey, Wait, uh, little margarita bet. Uh, margarita bet. I could take a margarita bet. I could definitely do that. All right. It's been a while, guys. Joe still owes you, right? He definitely does. Joe Kim now yeah, still owes Celtics you. Celtics lost that one. I, um, I got to say, uh, Dan Pompey and The Athletic writing about Mahomes and Andy Reid this week and comparing them – to like the great quarterback and head coach combos in the history of the NFL. Oh yeah, the, I didn't I didn't read it yet, but they definitely do. The context on like Otto Graham and Paul Brown and like Lombardi and Bart Starr, like how, what their relationships were like on the practice field, like what kind of respect they had, or like one time Lombardi yelled at Bart Starr in front of everybody, and Bart Starr said, you know what, when you do that, you undermine me as a leader, and he never yelled at Bart Starr again. Like, just however it goes, you know? And the Bill Walsh and Montana stuff and everything. When Dan, like, sinks his teeth into that kind of stuff, there's nobody better. It's such a great read. And, and of course, that's the dream of what we want, is the offensive-minded head coach – and the quarterback. We want that combo, and we dream of it, you know? And it's – we don't have it. No, but we don't. Doesn't look like we'll have it anytime real soon, but it depends. If we get the quarterback, maybe then the offensive guy will be found. It's the, tu- it's the, it's the tougher of the two parts, finding the quarterback. Yes. You know? So uh, maybe they have that one coming in the draft in April. The Bears have dominated conversation from the Super Bowl because of Caleb V. Justin, and tonight – they're going to get three guys into the Hall of Fame. So tonight's going to be largely about the Bears as well. Let's discuss each of their impacts on the sport, the town, the Bears, how we feel about it. Parkinson Spiegel on the score. The Parkinson Spiegel Show. Sebastian Maniscalco. Going to be on the score. I mean, I've been a score guy ever since in the 90s listening to you guys. You know, now with the Bears, I don't know what the hell's going on. Afternoons on the score. When I would come up to the kickers and I would walk by them, like in the area where they set up punts and stuff like that. And I would ask, are you going to kick it to me today? And when they would ignore me, I knew I had already won the fight. Put him in the Hall of Fame! Put him in the Hall! Man. For as often as I've said, Justin Fields, most exciting player with the f- football in his hand in my lifetime, you hear that song and the hype leading up to it, man. It takes you right back. And Devin Hester's going to the Hall of Fame tonight. I stand by it 
because he had the ball in his hands way more than Hester did. But the hype and the anticipation for 10 seconds, 30 seconds. He could be standing out there in a TV timeout. If you were in the building, you could see Devin Hester out there for two minutes. Mm-hmm. And you just like and just dancing around, not standing still. So cool, man. Dude. So cool. One of the coolest bears ever. How about when it gets to third down on defense? The expectation, the feeling, the vibe of like, ooh, if they stop him here, yeah. you know what they got to do, right? They got to kick to Devin. They got to kick to Devin. And he knew it, and he loved it. Um, Jared Payton shared this today, which is Devin thinking about what the fans did and the problems the fans sometimes had when he was in the game. Dangerous fear of players. They would play the game of football. Player day, one of the most dangerous fear of players. They would play the game of football. Player day, everybody know that changed games. Changed games to where people would go get drinks, beer, use the bathroom when kickoff and punt return coming up. But when they came to my game, everybody held it. And some people probably went in their pants trying to hold it when I was out there. That's a Hall of Famer, man. I mean. That's a Hall of Famer. He made people go to the bathroom in their pants. Yeah. It, he's probably right. Should have been first ballot. 312 <laughs> Yeah. Oh, my God. Do you, you ever just let it fly when Devin was about to, to receive a punt because you don't want to go and wait for the bathroom? Yeah. I bet you we got a Bob out there that would admit to peeing their pants <laughs> because they didn't want to miss a Devin Hester punt. We can find one. Yeah. Why are you doing that to me? You know I have to answer the phone. <laughs> Consider it a Hey, doing that is the coolest. <laughs> yeah. It's the Miles Davis. <laughs> of punt returning. Yeah. And some people probably winning their pants trying to hold it. Damn right. When yeah. I was out there. Damn right. Yeah. But seriously, like, it just completely changed the mindset of the fan. And not just, of course, for punt returns, but also for kickoff returns. And, like, I see Devin getting in. I'm thrilled for Devin to get in. And I'm also just reminded of what a freaking waste the kickoff is now. It's like just, it's like with the commercial break before and after sometimes, it's like three or to four dead minutes and there's no fear. There's no nothing that's going on. And I would love to try and find a way to revitalize it. I really would. But, he, I mean, but like, Devin's probably the last kick returner that will ever go in unless they do something drastic. If there's no kickoff return opportunities, there's no opportunities really for moments like his Super Bowl kickoff return, which is part of his legacy. Yeah. I mean, it's – he will be the only one. They don't want it to go back. I think, if anything, it's going to keep going in the direction of the only return that'll be is punt return because they'll just say, let's get rid of the kickoff because of exactly what you're saying. Too often you get commercial, kickoff, touchback, mm-hmm. commercial, and it's all that waste of time. Now, obviously, they want to get the commercial inventory in, so they're not going to be fewer commercials. They just might make the commercial breaks a little bit longer, make halftime a smidge longer, whatever they have to do. Yeah. To, they're not going to give back commercials, but – I don't see a world where the kickoff return becomes more viable. I just, I, I don't think that's happening. Devin yeah. Hester will go in as the only kickoff, the only returner into the Hall of Fame in NFL history. Which is kind of badass. It's really badass. It is. If that ends up being the case. I, I, I don't, I mean, dude, over 77% of kicks are touchbacks. Yeah. Four out of five. It's ridiculous. You know? So I just, I don't. I don't see a world where there's enough volume anymore to do it. And frankly, teams are going for it on fourth down more. Uh-huh. 
and punters are really good. Yeah, punters are really good. <laughs> so it's it's just it's it's hard. It, it's it's no, nobody can really separate themselves in, in, in that in that way. But I just I'm so glad he's going in, and it's the way that he changed the strategic mindset of the opposition, the way that he got in their heads. And they would freak out knowing that they had to give him the ball. That is a valuable, valuable thing on a football field. Um, in terms of Julius Peppers, the first thing I think of is Lovey Smith was at his door at midnight on day one of Julius Peppers' free agency. Yes. It was it was there. It's like, all right, here we go. I can talk to you. And I've always pictured Lovey Smith with a boombox over his head like John Cusack in, uh, in Say Anything. Just like, come on. Come on out, Julius, I'm ready. But he knew that's what he needed. He knew that's what he wanted. And Peppers Peppers was awesome here. He also was just awesome everywhere. Yes, he was. You know what I mean? Peppers. Even awesome late as a Packer. Yeah, Peppers is one of those guys that to talk to NFL players about him, the freak of nature among the freaks of nature. Just Crazy long, crazy athletic, crazy strong, crazy fast. Like, like there, nothing he couldn't do on a football field or in athletics, really. He just happened to apply his athleticism towards rushing the pass. Do you see the pictures somebody shared again the other day of him as a basketball player at North Carolina defending Shane Battier in a yeah. Duke-North Carolina basketball game. Peppers played varsity hoops at Carolina. Yeah, crazy. I mean, just crazy long arms, and he could speed rush you. He could bull rush you. He was mm-hmm. good enough against the run, incredible rushing the passer. He was he was the total package. Man. And there's been nobody until Montez Sweat that gives you that feeling of like, I mean. Oh, Khalil Mack. Well, Khalil Mack, but like as a, as a I think of Khalil Mack. I think of him as a, as a linebacker and an edge rusher of that build. I guess I'm thinking about the classic defensive ends in terms of hand in the ground, hand in the four ground, three. I don't yeah. know what you're so, people they've gone out to get. Whether it was Jared Allen they tried to get, or yeah, you know, different different people. It just it has it has not happened. No, and part of that, like you said, is scheme. Because I mean, Khalil Mack was everything. I mean, yeah. he'll he'll be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Khalil Mack's one of the best defensive players of the last 20 years, and he had amazing runs. Uh, with with the Bears, he's not thought of as a Bear though. Who Peppers? Peppers. You know he had great years here, but but he's a Panther. I know it's not baseball. I know they don't go in with a hat on your head. But what? How many years was it? Yeah, I, you know I don't know the, the Panthers having the profile of what they did. Certainly that's that's the splash, and that is the the early greatness. But I think yeah, because- four four years with the Bears as opposed to well, he went back to Carolina. Correct. Right? He finished his career there, so he saw himself as that. Yeah, yeah. Ten ten years with Carolina. Wow. Eight, eight on the front end, two on the back end. Eight on the front end. Four. Yeah. Four with Chicago. Three with Green. Bay. How about that worthwhile free agent defensive end signing after eight years in the NFL? That's, I mean, yeah. for a big deal. Yeah, man. Second, second team All Pro, uh, top five finish for Player of the Year, first mm-hmm. team All Pro, and a three time Pro Bowler in his four years with the Bears. So one first team, one second team, mm-hmm. a top four finish for Defensive Player of the Year, and three Pro Bowl appearances. Yeah, when he, when he was when he was here. You're but, right. But he's a he's a he's he'll, a, he'll he's, a, a, a he's a Panther. And then and then McMichael is like it's obviously such an emotional story right now for the fact that. 
that he's getting in now while he is alive, while he is fighting this incredibly difficult fight against ALS and, 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 and still with us. But like, it really, I mean, the first thing I think of is the personality. It's like, it's one of the biggest and best personalities, most entertaining personalities that Chicago sports has had over the last 40 years or so. Well, on the team of personality, Right, like I, I, I'm like the signature single team in this sports town's history. Mm-hmm. On one of the signature teams, if not the signature team in NFL history, on a team of personalities with Ditka and McMahon and all of it, he was the personality of the team of personalities. So it's 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 a it's a tour de force. And obviously, mostly before my time, but I have plenty of memories of it and him and his public life sure. afterwards and all of it. And then just talking to the people that we get to talk to, people were in awe of him. Oh, for it, sure. Of, of, the, of the presence and of the aura, not to mention how great he was as a player. D- uh, Doug Buffon's roast. Were you, at, were you at Doug Buffon's roast, Tanny? I was not, no. So, yeah, McMichael opened the roast. Oh, and I just remember, cool. I just remember seeing him... Like before the roast, it was like, I mean, that dude, it just had a had a presence and a gravitas. And then he went up there with no script and absolutely just killed it, o- opening up the Buffon roast. And I, I always think of McMichael yelling at Angel Hernandez and getting thrown out That's of the a game. That's yeah. oh, All time. An, an All absolute, time. absolute. Angel's home, Chicago! <laughs> and don't worry, I'll have, a, I'll have some speaks with that home plate umpire after the game. <laughs> Incredible. And then they toss him. They toss him. So damn good. So so great. Our guy shot on the south side was working security during the Hester years. Oh. What was that like, Shad? Negative four in the three hundred level. But anyway, I was a little bit too cold for me to fill my bladder. Needless to say, I think I did urine that evening on a return from Hester. It was a it was a memorable moment, needless to say. I'd like to also touch on another Hall of Famer that's supposed to be inducted, Julius Peppers. Yes. Only thing I can remember about this guy is whiffing on Aaron Rodgers as the ball sailed down the field <laughs> over Chris Conti's head. Oh. So, and then he decided to go play for the Green Bay Packers. Julius Peppers can kick rocks because I remember Jared Allen also played in the Bears. And he was also after by another division rival. Needless to say, the best bear inducted would be Mongo. And then that made me think about things, guys. We got Eberflus in town. We got a quarterback that we can call a punky QB because he's the people's choice, right? Could you guys see an offseason, considering the assets while we're talking quarterback, that we could actually recreate a new version of that 85 Bears defense? And and I want you to really put some time into it, guys, because logically – when I did some homework and did some tape and looked at a few of the draft prospects, the answer is yes. All right. All right, Shot. You're giving us homework assignments, man. Uh, listen, I don't think that the modern era of football is going to allow you to have that type of defense, oh. honestly. But they're, they're great. I, I personally would not do that. I think if you have a good above-average defense, uh, that's what you – like that's, that's good enough, you know, honestly – 
if you have a great offense and I'd want to in, invest my resources on the offensive side of the ball, like I wouldn't be trading the number one pick to draft a couple of defensive players in order to try to have the number one defense next year. That's not what I would be doing with my assets. Damn year. you, Shad. I just called it up. I'm watching the play that shall not be named, but you named it. So it's Aaron Rodgers to Randall Cobb past Chris Conti. And I kind of forgot how Peppers just fully whiffs. He's get there's a little bit of a chip block from the running back there, but Rogers scrambles left and Julius dives to where Rogers used to be, and it's tough. And real man. quick, also in that game was that loose ball on the ground that no one yes. picks up. He's in on that play too, I believe. Oh, see, I always blame Briggs. I always well, think of Briggs. I, any of them, yeah, I blame any of them for not picking that ball up. Ball, ball, the ball. I mean, Thayer wasn't screaming ball loud enough. That that was the problem. Yeah, I, I blame Thayer. Parkinson Spiegel on the score. Everybody, we are live. The Parkinson Spiegel Show. Strange twists and turns with the guys over there on the Parkinson Spiegel Show. Afternoons on the score. We're having a little fun. Peppers' pro football reference page is, is pretty interesting. Because obviously, I mean, he was incredible. No disputing, and he's going into the Hall of Fame tonight. He deserves it. First team All Pro a couple of times. Second team All Pro almost a handful of times. A hundred and fifty nine and a half career sacks. A career high though of fourteen and a half. He never had the the monster eighteen, nineteen, twenty sack mm-hmm. season, but he had consistent as all hell, huh? He had 10 double-digit sack seasons, if I'm counting this correct. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Yeah. 100, 103, 105, no, I, I, I did that. Come on. 10 double-digit sack 123, seasons. 123, 127. That's uh, not fair. That's, all horses are three years old. No, it's not fair. All birthdays, that's they're not all three years old. I had that wrong. That's not fair. But anyway, <laughs> 10 double-digit sacks. I think it was sacks. completely fair. I was just counting up to 10. Yeah, on the air. All right, I was double-checking my math. Okay. All right. Just got to blurt it out and hope you're right. That's what See, I, I did. Try, I try to get it be accurate. Yeah. That was my mistake. When I said that McMichael played 16 games in 10 out of 11 season, yeah. I was eyeballing that. I was uh, doing my best. Were you right? I was. All right. Well, it turned out. There you go. Mm-hmm. But, but being wrong hasn't stopped me before, Danny. No, no. You know how I roll. No, of course not. Yeah. Of course not. By the way, big game coverage on the score is presented by Solo Stove. Feel the heat of the world's most popular smokeless fire pit solostove.com we're gonna have a ton of big game coverage on the show uh tomorrow and uh taney already has the solo stove we're all thinking about getting one it sounds incredible they got a nice little grill grate attachment you can raise it up and do some grilling outside on your fire pit really Very cool. really i did not know that i was not yeah, aware i just found that, that out last night that all right even mm. more reason mm-hmm. to you know, add the solo stove to the rotation shane when you're seasoning stuff for your grill if you need some uh fresh black pepper flakes Danny Parkins is your guy. It's my black pepper flake guy. He's Listen, got. If you, if he's you guys got need access. tips on anything for cooking. Also, I'm a remember, champion. add more syrup. When in doubt, double up on the syrup. That's how Buddy the Elf learned it. It's like Vince Vaughn in uh, Wedding Crashers. Just syrup over the whole thing. Yeah, baby. Makes it go down easier. So you say that we're in some sort of race between the. What, Bears and White Sox? Bears and White Sox are in a race, and I don't know if people realize that they are. All right, well, I don't fully realize it, so you'll make the case next on The Score. The Parkinson Spiegel Show. If y'all ready, give me a hell yeah. Oh, hell yeah. 
Kyle Turley and Jim McMahon are running for president because of weed. Well, I'd like to hear about it, potheads. Jim McMahon, how, how did you how did you get the top of the ticket? How did we get to be that Jim McMahon could be president of these here United States? Well, if Kyle wanted me to be president because he, he thinks I'm going to take a bullet, so he's going to move right in. <laughs> Perfect. We don't know if it was uh, Lee Harvey Oswald or a whole big thing there, but uh, he kind of got blown away. You know, we're, we're just trying, you know, we got to get rid of this two-party system. Nobody, nobody has any confidence in it anymore. I wish I had an easy job like you have. You have the easiest job on earth. <laughs> you smoke all day. <laughs> have you gotten high at the White House before? Well, I know that Willie Nelson smoked on the White House roof. I tried to get up there when I was with the Packers, and then we finally went with the Bears, so they wouldn't let me up on the roof. If we get in, it's definitely going to, you'll see a smoke cloud above it. <laughs> Honestly, he might have my vote, guys. Let's investigate a little further. Could you? Well, could you... I know I'm more coherent with it than what the guy that is in charge now. So. <laughs> there it is. And, and, and Joan, Shingang, Shanga, Kawawa. Could you tell us uh, more about the platform of the Cannabis Freedom Party? Is there, what are some of your, your major principles what that we can think are we about? Changing? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The Safe Banking Act, rescheduling it down to Schedule Three. Uh, oh dang, there's five or six bullet points. They always tell me to talk about, and I always forget them. <laughs> I yeah, need to carry you're, around you're that little list in my pocket. Yeah. Now you're ready to run for office. I know how we can get Kenny out. Ow. Weed, man. We'll sell weed. <laughs> man, you can't up in the side to sell weed. You gotta know people to plug you into that kind of. I do. Wait. Wait, I think I got an idea. Why don't we sell that we smoked the other night, yo? Yeah. You suggested that already. For real, B? Marijuana affects the memory. One, two, three. Here we go, Jim. Here we go. Here we go, Jim. Here we go, Tony. The Parkinson Spiegel Show. Afternoons from 2 to 6 on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. Thank you to everyone for hanging out with the Parkins and Spiegel Show right here on The Score. We've got a lot going on as always. We're expecting, in fact, we know that Julius Peppers, Steve Mongo McMichael, and, and Devin Hester will all make it into the Pro Football Hall of Fame tonight. We're very excited about that. Yeah, that's tonight. That's, that's so cool, man. And, and keep in mind that that means the Bears will have three people getting inducted that first weekend of August, and the Bears might be playing in the Hall of Fame game. I heard Dan Weederer tease that possibility. So a weekend in Canton, Ohio for you Bears fans might be fun in the first weekend of August. Why just you Bears fans? How about us? How about us? Road tripping. A little Radio Row situation there. Yeah, we could make our own. Make a little drive. and That's a great call, actually. We can make the drive. He probably won't play, but Caleb Williams can begin his career in Canton and end his career in Canton. Oh, look at you. As a bear. Look at you. I take that from Bill Zimmerman. He he said that first. But I like it. Yeah. I, I like the thought mm-hmm. of uh, beginning your career in Canton uh, because that's where it's going to end. And so then also uh, we should let people know that the Bulls did nothing at the trade deadline today, uh, <laughs> probably to the surprise of no one. We'll weigh in on that in a little bit. And Arturis Karnishev has talked about the nothingness. He did. And uh, tomorrow at 3 p.m. is... Our favorite segment of the year. Is it your favorite segment? It's definitely my favorite it's, segment. It's up there, man. Yeah. It's, uh, it's pretty wonderful. Uh, where we basically just... Either that or, like, things that matter from spring training. Well, that's a good one, obviously. Thank you. Uh, basically, 
we try to get as many people as we possibly can to call in and give Super Bowl predictions all in one segment. We just ask them, who's going to win the Super Bowl? What's the score going to be and why? And so we don't know who is coming on until they're up on the sh- on the screen. Shane works on it, you know, for weeks and days uh, mm-hmm. leading up to it, and it creates a tremendous amount of stress and anxiety for him for just one segment, and you and I just get to hang out and, and enjoy it. That's tomorrow at 3 o'clock. That sounds uh, delightful. Uh, raise a glass here, a toast to the show, the Parker and Spiegel show, a toast to the mob. Thank you, Cheers. Tanny. Cheers. Thank you, Ch- Shane. Cheers. And Danny, cheers, everyone. It's 5 o'clock somewhere. Yeah. We're an hour late for Wani. No one I'd rather be doing this nonsense mm-hmm. with. You guys are the goods. Not even Pony? <laughs> well, that's the night, buddy. Yeah. That's okay. the night. We've created the best okay. of both got worlds. That. Oh, and Nick Wright is First, coming on tomorrow. Right. Talk so. about the big game with Pony tonight. A little programming Bank. content idea. That's, that's a good call. Yeah, producer, right? man. That's yeah. why Tanny's the, the goods. Yeah. Yeah. Are you required to kiss his fanny once before the end of the football <laughs> season? Does that happen on tonight's show? They don't do it. It, we don't kiss each other's fannies on this show hey, anymore. That's, it's a good idea maybe once just before the end of the season. Hey, we're number two in major market. You saw who was number one in mid-market? Andrew Filipponi. Oh, that's right. That's yeah, really? Yeah, Andrew Filipponi. Less educated one. people down there, I hear, in, <laughs> in mid-market well, places. Honestly, <laughs> that's hilarious. Uh, Those lists really are a racket. Yeah, it's a complete joke. <laughs> it's weird, Tanny, because I swear to God, we heard Pony get booed at PNC, but Just this show the didn't idiots, get... haters and losers would boo Pony. Oh, that's right. awesome. Hey, that's he right. got us great tickets that night. He did. To see Mike Clevenger on the bump. <laughs> hey, I'm reminded of, reminded of Alice and Janney, given the update. Given the update in uh, in the Howard Stern movie, those who hate Howard listen for 23 minutes <laughs> yeah. continuously. Most common answer, they just want to hear what he has to say next. Yeah, if you don't have haters, you're not doing it right. Exactly right. All right. So, Mr. Spiegel. Yes, sir. You have uh, some, we calling this sourced intel? What are we calling this? Yeah. Deep background? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I've definitely got some people on the stadium stuff. You're uh, educated for both uh, both the Bears and the White Sox, and in, and in this case, look, we've talked plenty about both situations: the Bears making the possible leverage play, or do they actually want to build a dome on the lakefront in the South Lot? The White Sox trying to make their move to the 78. Now, here's the thing: there is uh, a lot of joylessness in this conversation, where you have to choose whether or not to get educated on some on some governmental and political and financial minutia, right? Would you, would you say it's among the most joyless things we do? Uh, it's, it's up there. I mean, it, it, it beats a scandal, you know what I mean? And covering that sort of thing, which happens in sports all the time. Oh, that's a good question. So would you rather do this or the Northwestern hazing scandal for days on end? I'd rather do this because I do think that like in general, it, it, Hey, where I watch a game matters to people, mm-hmm. you know, but how the sausage gets made often doesn't and I do find it a little hard to make it that entertaining but this does impact people yes but you know if, if the Bears go to Arlington Heights it impacts a lot of people yes. positively and negatively absolutely if the if the White Sox go to the 78 from 35th and Shields that impacts a lot of people positively and negatively yes and and there are negatives to discuss for sure and Lord knows our midday show will find them and they'll do it but there's also positives to imagine, like the specter of fans happily in the new place and how that would feel and what that would do for the organizations, et cetera. Listen, I think that the conversation about the negatives of moving away from 35th and Shields, which we've had with Dan and Lawrence, which we've had with Dilla, yeah. and which are 100% valid and they should be a huge factor in this, 
they also should include it will be worse for some White Sox fans and it will be better for other White Sox fans. Mm-hmm. That's just the reality of it. Because now you can, you can certainly make the argument that it is worse for more and better for fewer because they are moving north and they are moving away from the south side, but they are moving towards a more populated area. So it's possible that this is more convenient for more White Sox fans. Yes. and, and Just it's... because it's a more populated. But my point is, is like, it sucks for the businesses around there and Without a pe- doubt. people down there. But it's going to be good for other businesses. You know what I mean? Like, th- this is not for zero, sure. zero sum. There are people that are going to be thrilled. There are people that are going to be upset about this uh, equation. I thought Dylan made some wonderful points in studio with us the other day about some ways that the White Sox and or the developers could take care of the South side and really, you know, pay attention to some of the issues that they're leaving behind. But, but yes, I I wanted to share this, which I've now learned is a real deal that the potential financing that cranes, Chicago business referenced for the bears local stadium, the Chicago dream stadium is the very same potential financing that the white Sox stories have been referencing. It is this unique bonding clause in the law that governs the Illinois Sports Facilities Authority, right? And it's a clause that expires at the end of this year. Basically, and you've heard about some of this, but I want to let you know it applies to both situations. There's a clause that was tucked into the state budget bill in 2021 that allows the ISFA, the Illinois Sports Facilities Authority, to refinance debt and issue new bonds for sports projects above the current cap of $150 million or $399 million for other property owned by other agencies, such as Soldier Field title holder, the Chicago Park District. So that means it applies to both the Soldier Field folks and the guaranteed rate folks. And this would be that hotel tax that you've heard about where 2% the 2% hotel tax would be simply transferred from paying for guaranteed rate as it has been to helping to pay for the 78 project, the new White Sox stadium. That is the very same clause that Kevin Warren and the bears would have to take advantage of to finance their new stadium in the South lot. Now here's the thing, this clause, which is a loophole because it was just put in in 2021 it expires at the end of 2024. Okay. Danny, it's February. What we have on our hands is a very real and legitimate race between the White Sox stadium dreams and the Bears Chicago stadium dreams as to who could take advantage of this loophole. And, and have- that loophole helps sell it to the public because they could do the smoke and mirrors of no new taxes. We're just moving it over from one project to the other. But they're going to need money beyond 2024. Pos- yes, but the clause is there for 2024, but it applies to years in the future. Like the the bonds uh, for the White Sox stadium expire in 2032, but the way could be cleared yeah, for hundreds of millions in new bonds. It is joyless. Yeah. But trust me, I called somebody who absolutely knows and says there is not room 
for both of those entities to make use of this loophole, but both of them need it to get the financing done for their projects. Okay. But the Bears could do Arlington Heights without it? Yes. Bears Arlington but, Heights but is they, a but they can't do Stadium in the South lot without it. Correct. Interesting. Correct. So if the Bears are legitimately planning and trying to make a South Lot dome happen, it is a race between the Bears to get it done and the White Sox to get it done. And I think this explains... Well, the White Sox are winning, right? They're moving fast. This explains some of the speed with which they're moving, which I know is off-putting to some people, but it explains the race that is going on here. So, yeah, you've got... That explains the speed, and then you have to ask yourself, who do you trust more to win that race? The McCaskies, with Kevin Warren now added to the mix, or Jerry Reinsdorf? who knows how to get things done with state and local government and did so with this ballpark and with United Center, of course. I mean, I got to be honest, I give the edge to Reinsdorf. Of course you do. I mean, you can say a lot of things about the guy, but he has played Illinois politics like a fiddle for 30 years. Sweetheart deals, funding of stadiums, not public funding necessarily for the United Center, but he's he's gotten what he's wanted, where he's wanted, when he's wanted it. Gets things done in that way. Yeah, okay. So, and here we are. It's kind of interesting that, you know, the story breaks when it did in January, and now here we are. We've already seen the renderings. The already the pitch has already happened with, with the mayor. Things are moving quick because it is a race between the White Sox and the Bears as to who can make – uh, to make use of this Illinois Sports Facilities Authority loophole before the end of the year. All right, that is that is good stuff. That is that is certainly sourced, and it is a, is an important detail to have in this conversation. Mm-hmm. I listen. I am a North Sider, not a South Sider. I'm a Cubs fan, not a Sox fan. I root for all the teams in town uh, because of my friends and family and the job and Chicago and all, all that. But it also admit, admittedly, I live in the suburbs, but, yeah. I li- but I live in Cook County. But so like, I'm just a guy with an opinion who follows this stuff and knows executives and has a decent understanding of how the sausage is made. I am a little surprised when I hear the conversation about Sox Park moving. Mm-hmm. I feel like it ignores some cold, hard truths or some realities that we can say we shouldn't accept or that if we are idealistic, we should not accept or that it's our responsibility to fight against. But maybe I'm just like too much of a pragmatist or too defeated by the reality that the 0.01% actually run the world for the 99.9% of the rest of us. But we all know that when Jerry Reinsdorf, who is 87 years old, passes away, the Reinsdorf family will no longer own the White Sox. This is what's been happening is all of his heirs have been going around trying to scoop up minority shares, getting ready to sell the team once Jerry passes. Absolutely. Okay, so if everybody knows that, And because he's 87, we know that that is a thing that is going to happen in some time in the next X number of years, right? It's it's not a completely, totally 30 years away. We can't even predict the time, right? It's 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 in the somewhat near-ish future, right? And we wish him all the health, obviously. But like, there will be a new owner, most likely, 
when this new stadium opens? Right, new new stadium, twenty twenty nine. Twenty twenty nine. Yes. Who's, right, so, who's, and, and maybe not. Maybe maybe Jerry lives five more years. But like the so the 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 connection between might be twenty thirty. Yeah. The connection between the lack of quality of the team on the field currently and the new stadium, they don't to me seem that related, because I believe that Jerry Reinsdorf would be doing this if the White Sox won the World Series last year. If instead of to win 65 games this year, they were expected to win 95 games this year. He'd still be doing this. I, yeah, so I don't think this is tied to, like, oh, this is smoke and mirrors, or this is deception, or the only way to increase attendance is by putting a better product on the field, because the stadium is old. Wrigley Field, Dodger Stadium, Fenway Park, where the Angels play. Oakland, they're leaving. The Trop, one of the worst stadiums in baseball. Rogers Center, which is undergoing a $300 million renovation. And Kauffman Stadium, they're moving. They're going downtown to a new stadium. Those are the only stadiums in baseball older than Guaranteed Rate Field. Mm -hmm. So there's going to be a new owner, quite possibly before this stadium opens, but certainly in the near future after the stadium opens. Yeah the new owner is going to want a new stadium. Without a doubt. Because the current stadium is old. Without a doubt. See, here's the thing. Why is he doing this? Why is Jerry doing this? He's doing it first and foremost, okay, to make the team higher in price. Without a doubt. As soon as they start the build, the, the value of the franchise increases exponentially. This is not some like beautifully altruistic, pure legacy move by Reinsdorf. Like it, it's certainly in there in part, in my opinion. Like he wants to ensure that the team stays in the well, south side. Ba- he loves baseball. He loves baseball. Yeah. He loves this organization. No one disputes that. He loves that they are on the south side. He wants to ensure that they stay in Chicago and on the south side. I do believe that is a part of it. But the number one goal here is to increase the value so his heirs are left with a more profitable team to sell. Like, it, it has always been a Jerry Reinsdorf vanity project. It has been. Yeah. And it continues to be. This will increase the value for his heirs. They're behind it. That's why everybody's behind it, because they can sell for more. So that's number one, is that's why he's doing it. There is this legacy thing. There is a desire to leave the organization better. There is a desire to leave the thing on the south side. But there's also the reality of trying to make the most damn money. It's just that in this situation, you can let the vanity project create something that actually will be advantageous for your team if you're a White Sox fan. Vanity Project has done things that have been bad for you for several years. This could be good for you. Yeah, I I think that it is it's a pretty obvious move. The, to be honest, like it will be more convenient for some people. It'll be less convenient for others. The, the renderings are what they are. They are renderings. They will, it will change between now and then. The economic projections are completely pie in the sky and unrealistic. It will ultimately come in short. Uh, we will foot the bill for some of this one way or the other. And instead of the money being routed to education and public school teachers and fighting crime, it will go to developers and real estate contracts and billionaires. And that all of that sucks. It's also reality. 
I, you know, it, it, I don't like it. We can't change it. And in terms of what 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 don't you like that he who has the gold I, makes yeah, the rule? I don't. I don't like, obviously, the park right now is good enough. And if this thing's going to cost a couple billion dollars, what would be better for the city if a couple billion dollars went into public schools? Or if a couple billion dollars went into developing the 78 for the White Sox, obviously mm-hmm. the thing that has a more of an impact on public good would be public education. Obviously. Oh my God! Of course. You know. You know what I mean? Like that, but that is not. That's just not how the world works, man. I, yeah. I wish it did. I wish I was the mayor and the czar and the president of everything. You know what I mean? But like, he is going to get this through, and it will be good for him. His legacy, his heirs, the White Sox, probably the majority of White Sox fans, if we're being honest, if it helps the White Sox be a more viable organization in the long run in terms of putting a better product on the field in the future. And it'll also be good for acquiring new White Sox fans, frankly, because there are not enough White Sox fans, as we know. You'll have a better shot at acquiring new ones with this. Right, and so like the Pittsburgh example... Crown Jewel Ballpark, but they don't draw anything and they're bad, it's because of bad ownership. Yeah, absolutely. So the question is going to be... They're running a flim-flam game. They're they're playing at the bottom of the payroll thing in in MLB, and if the new owners do that, that would suck. You you have no idea what the new owners will do. If if, if Jerry Reinsdorf was 50, we'd be talking about this very differently. Very differently. If the story was Michael Reinsdorf is going to take over the White Sox... We'd be talking about this differently, mm-hmm. but the the reality is a new owner is going to buy this team and then they are going to be responsible for putting a better product on the field. And then that owner will want a new stadium because this stadium is old and not special. Right. So and this- then the question is, would the new owner prefer for the new stadium to be at 35th and Shields? Or at the 78. And I think if you're being honest with yourself, most owners, billionaires, would rather it be in a developed neighborhood closer to a more populated area. A hundred percent. And let, and let, so let me th- add this. That's the pragmatism of the situation as I see it. I totally get it. I think you're right. Let, let me add this. If you sold to a new owner with the stadium as is at 35th and Shields, they're then going to want to build themselves a new place. Where would they do it? Would they do it there? Unlikely. Frankly, would they do it at the 78? Maybe if it's still there and they could navigate the politics that they would have to navigate. Would they talk to Nashville in a more realistic way? Would they look outside of Chicago, outside of Illinois? Entirely possible. Doing this before you sell kind of ensures that the new owner is going to stay there and you're keeping it in Chicago. So, there's there's lots of uh, of reasons that I think this is a, a good idea for the White Sox. And I recognize there are a lot of bad implications. And I recognize that it does feel like you're rewarding, on some level, an owner who has done some bad things. But zoom out from this season, like you were talking about in a competitive sense, and zoom out from what the past... 15, 20 years have shown you in terms of economic viability, this is a new, different kind of playing field that is trying to be created here. And the quality of the team that is on the field at the new stadium is going to be up to the new owner. Yes. And, and you know what the new owner is probably going to do? Not hire from within and do some oh, of no the idea. insular loyalty crap that has been going on there for so long. Listen, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know who's going to buy the team, right? I mean, it hasn't worked for Steve Cohen in New York. 
It, it, we, we don't know. We, I don't, the, the new owner could be worse than the Reisdorfs. Could be worse. Possible. Well, you know, I, I don't know. Like, but it's, they're going to want a new stadium. So this is what is going to happen. And I just think that's the reality of the situation. And by the way, if you want to make the case that the new stadium should be at 35th and Shields, you can make that case. They've, already, they've done it once. Mm-hmm. They tore down Comiskey and they built in the, in the exact same location. I think that most likely the thing that would be more valuable to sell the franchise, like, hey, I could sell the White Sox at 35th and Shields for X, or I could sell the White Sox with the stadium at the 78, which number is higher? I think we all would agree that selling the White Sox with the stadium at the 78 gets the Reinsdorf heirs a higher sale price. His other team did nothing at the trade deadline today. What it means next on the score. The Parkinson Spiegel Show. Danny, love to you, love to speak. I give love to Shane, and same thing goes for Danny. Afternoons on the score. I just think that there's so many uh, positive stories around this team. And the biggest thing for me is like if. You know, you look at every option, it's out there to improve your team. And um, we didn't see anything that was going to make us better. Um, uh, We would take a step back, which we don't want. Uh, We want to stay competitive. Uh, We have obligation to this organization and this fan base and the city to stay competitive and compete for playoffs. And it's funny, because I don't really agree. I don't feel like he has an obligation to me to stay competitive for the playoffs if they can't do any damage in the playoffs. I've seen Bulls teams that make the playoffs and can't win a title. That's not what I'm interested in. So if there was an offer that would set you back, one step back to take two steps forward into the future... I personally would be all for it. Kobe White's 23 years old mm-hmm. and under contract for a couple of years. That's your asset. It's not 34-year-old and 35-year-old DeMar DeRozan and Nikola Vucevic. You're not winning anything of consequence with those guys. You know, Arturis is not a passionate speaker who gives you a lot of depth that you can really kind of dig into. But I find myself thinking about what his mindset is and why it is what it is, especially after today when he kind of repeated something that has been reported before that ownership would be fine if he wanted to take a step back. Yeah. Ownership would be okay if he wanted to trade some assets and step back. He doesn't, he doesn't want to, he doesn't want to. So if he doesn't want to, it's, I mean, what he promised and what he tried to do was deliver a competitive team, a decent team, you know, with Lonzo Ball, with Zach Levine, et cetera, a team that could make the playoffs and then who knows what could happen, you know, and maybe they could be in the top four of the playoffs. I feel like he's still just trying to deliver what he decided to deliver and he refuses to back down from it. There's some Lonzo Ball hope that's mixed in. There's some Zach Levine belief that's mixed in, but he just keeps wanting to deliver a competitive team and like, make the playoffs and have some decency. So that was his vision. That was his vision. And we applauded it early with the moves that he made, but he keeps doubling and tripling down like a stubborn person. We've seen people like this in different sports. Yeah. I, I applauded the beginning of this. I thought it made sense. I thought it was 
best moves available at the time, given circumstances, right? Like, obviously, the best thing that you can do as an NBA franchise is draft the star. That's the best thing that you can do. If you draft Steph Curry, if you draft Giannis, if you draft Anthony Davis, if you draft LeBron, like, if you draft the dude who's worth the eventual Supermax, that's the best thing that you can do. But... The Bulls weren't in that situation. They didn't have lottery luck. They were never the worst team. They were, you know. And so then it was like, okay, I'm going to be aggressive and get us out of this hellhole situation Mm -hmm. and get players that the league really respects that would be fun to play. People would like playing with Vooch, a passing big man who spaces the floor. DeMar DeRozan, a universally respected OG in the Mamba mold of hard work and work ethic with the 4 a.m. workouts. And guys marvel at. I mean, absolutely. You hear Luca mic'd up at the All-Star game, go up to DeMar DeRozan and be like, hey, uh, have you ever missed a mid-range jumper? Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like he's a, like DeMar is a respected dude yeah. among superstars. So, so a side benefit of getting decent with those guys and building like you know a competitive team is you're reestablishing credibility around the league as a viable place that people should consider coming to. Zach Levine went to two All-Star games and won a gold medal as a member of the Bulls. You know what I mean? Like, oh, this, it, it made sense. It, it really did. But that's still where he is, don't you think? He's still trying to achieve that same vision, but man. The, but, but the problem is, is they've all gotten older. Yeah. They've all gotten older. And you're broken. Right. Lonzo broke. Zach is broken and no longer wants to be here. Damar and Vooch are old. So, yeah, I, I think it made sense three years ago. And I will maintain that it made sense to give Zach the max contract. I'll still maintain that because he wasn't going to accept the sign-in trade and he was going to just take a a four-year max from someone else instead of a five-year max from you. So, like, you can't lose assets for nothing. Yeah, and I was with you um, enough on that. Like, I wasn't fully against you on it because he can't get nothing if he's not going to accept the sign-in trade. But then they should have dealt him last year at the deadline or at the very – very latest last year in the off season, the misevaluation to not realize this was something you should discard with whatever you can is 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 a horrible misstep and, that has damaged and, them. And so, like, so like when I hear him today talk about we can be competitive with anybody, we can make a chase in the standings. I wonder to what end. Like, if they make let, let's say he's right. Let's just let's give him. He's a smart enough guy. Let's give him the benefit of the doubt that they can make a climb to the sixth seed. Let's say, and I'll take it one step further. They win a playoff series. Oh man, that's that's a huge win for him. For him, right? For him, for the organization. They've hosted home playoff games. They've profited. They've felt like there's momentum. That's a huge win. What does it actually do for any Bulls fan? Gives you more entertainment, a sense of pride. Yeah, but next year's team is the same you know I mean Kobe White would have had playoff experience which would be valuable maybe Patrick Williams comes back and has playoff experience and plays well mm-hmm. but I mean but like a team that has a an absolute ceiling of one playoff series victory that to me is when you should hit the eject button early rather than late because now He'll never get as much for Caruso as he could have gotten today. It'll never happen. 
Because it's one season in the offseason yeah. of trades. It's one year of Caruso left. Instead of two. As opposed, as opposed to a playoff run so in, it's, it's, in a it's second. A, it's a different caliber of player than yeah. a max contract two-time All-Star in Zach Levine, but it's the exact same thing. It's the exact same thing. And who's to say that with six games left in the year, when Caruso and the Bulls are playing hard because they're pros and likable guys and professionals, that he doesn't rupture his Achilles mm. and then you can't trade him in the offseason mm-hmm. you know what I mean like, of course like, it's they, the they, danger they, the danger the risk that you take that that that's the they're, <sighs> they're chasing something that to me has no value I do think to a lot of Bulls fans it has value I think it does have value to some Bulls fans we don't necessarily hear from them all the time the ones that want and enjoy the entertainment product and would be thrilled by a playoff series. And even those of us who can see the, the logical wisdom in what you're talking about will enjoy games and enjoy the playoff series. And you yourself just said that it's hard to draft the star. It's hard to find well, yeah, the star. And Giannis was the 15th pick and Steph was the 7th pick. And that's what these guys fall back on. They fall back on, like, I'll just draft the star wherever I can. Even though, of course, the best chance to get the star yeah. is with the first pick or the second pick. I'm thinking about your vision of them winning a playoff series. And you'd say, yes, Kobe White playoff experience, Iota Sumu playoff experience. Theoretically, maybe Patrick Williams, maybe Julian Phillips playoff experience for these young guys who are going to be sticking around. And the other dudes would be older and, you know, who knows how long you're going to have them. I agree that it's like it, 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 it's, it can feel very empty when you think, when you use logic as the guide. <laughs> Welcome to my life. Yeah. <laughs> That's you, man. I know you. Yeah, but It I, can feel very empty when you use logic as the guide, but it's an entertainment product at the same time. And a business. It's an entertainment product and a business, and it's not purely a spreadsheet built on, if I win a title in 10 years, it was worth these eight years sucking or that kind of thing. But what's crazy is that, like, we've seen them still lead the league in attendance with way worse teams than this. Bulls fans are passionate and crazy loyal, and there's a ton of us. We're not going anywhere. You know, so the business is not really damaged by... Losing in the regular season. It's only damage that you don't get to host playoff games. I like when you call yourself a fan. I am a fan. I know you are. I, I, know, you were, I know you were a kid at a lot of those games. Your yeah. dad brought you to a ton of those yeah, games. Man, I was, I was 10 years old in 1996. I was obsessed with the Bulls. Obsessed with the Bulls. Yeah. Like, so I, when you I, say. I, I wrote a book about the NBA. I, I watch these. I watch West Coast NBA games on Tuesdays. Like, you know what I mean? I, I, I love yeah. the NBA. I want to tell you you have a problem. Hang on, Speaks. Hang on. Yeah. This is going to be a problem for us. Any NBA basketball debate on the show, I have to. I have yep, to yep. It's going to be. Yep. I wrote a book about the NBA. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Pipeline to the pros, baby. Tanny, you did, though. Pipeline to the pros. I know. So, we can't dispute it. It's a real book. Can we like make a, can we make a graphic that exists behind him on the Twitch feed so he doesn't have to actually say it? It can just be back there. But is that's that, only that... for the online audience. No, because then the morning show would take it down. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote the forward for Tanny's book about addiction and how wow. it can really screw you over and and mess with your family life. Man. Hoops junkies. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. And I think it's inspiring that a hoops junkie and a doctor of the NBA have worked together in such a way. Well, I mean, he's we, my savior. We may have another junkie on the line tomorrow. A hoops junkie? <laughs> yeah. There might oh, be a hoops junkie doing boy. picks tomorrow. Oh, yeah, no way. That. There oh, might be. Oh, boy. 
Oops, oh boy, Chunky. that's a tease. That is a tease for I three o'clock. It's Michael Jordan. I think I know. <laughs> three o'clock. Favorite segment of the year I'm tomorrow. So, Set so, your alarms now. I'm so excited. We're all sharing like the contacts of the most interesting, bizarre people we have. Yeah, but Shane's the he's got. That. Oh, he's I will the dude. tell you, like the only tease I'll give you is that there are more names here than we've had in any year that we've done it. I have more names this year, so it's going to be a longer segment. Quantity than in previous- of names, you're saying? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Should we take I, I a expect- break in the middle or just keep no, rolling? No, we're just going to go. Okay. I, I expect cancellations like there always are, or like Lance Lynn will say, I can't do it now, but give me 10 minutes. I'm hammered at the Waste Management Open. That was last then- year. Lance Lynn was hammered at the Waste Management Open. Yeah, that's why I said it just there. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm just whiteboarding <laughs> exactly what you said. I expect that to happen a couple times, but we might be in the 60s. 60s? What? What? 60s. No way. Okay. Taney, have you seen his list? Uh, Yeah, I've seen half of it. He said he's got the other half at home uh, written down on a sheet of paper. I've seen it. Yeah, it's it's a good list. Yeah. Have you seen that? Um, but here's, it's but they're, they're always good lists, but the variable is will the person pick up? Yeah. Like that's right. always the thing that, that stresses Like someone can agree and then forget. You know, I can't text everyone a reminder unless I put them all in a group chat. <laughs> <laughs> a BCC group chat. Are, are there such things? You can't text everyone a reminder? No. Wow, listen to Danny. No, of course not, dude. You kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> Just the t- ones that ask for it. Okay. I'd text them all. It's a lot of names. <laughs> Best names. Maybe, maybe him. Maybe he'll respond. Maybe him. Yeah. That, wow. Oh, you're telling me that for the first time. <laughs> tomorrow. <laughs> tomorrow, 3 o'clock. Get the best picks. <laughs> Can't wait. Did the Supreme Court say he's good to run? Did that happen today? I mean, all of those weirdos love him, so probably. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he gave all of them jobs. <laughs> they didn't say anything about picks, though. So <laughs> they didn't. That was not him. Can't wait till yeah. Clarence Thomas makes a pick tomorrow. That's going to be big. I've got Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Oh, wow. It's a big story. From the grave. <laughs> Parkinson Spiegel on the score. Parkinson Spiegel show flashback. 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 Big old bastard, Lance Lynn. Lance, how the hell are you? I'm doing well. I'm sitting here at the Waste Management Golf Tournament. How many beers in are we? Oh, I don't drink. Okay. <laughs> uh, who's going to win the Super Bowl? What's the score going to be and why? Man, Chiefs in the over. Ch- yeah, there, my Chiefs man. Chiefs in the over. Lance knows. <laughs> man, after I my own. I don't gamble, though. <laughs> right, right. No. Yeah, you don't, don't gamble. Or don't drink. drink. Huh. Must be tough yeah. for you out there to find friends at the Waste Management <laughs> Open. I know. I'm over here by myself in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> that was a great moment. <laughs> oh God, I gotta do that tournament one day. Yeah, right. It, it's what is it? It's 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 wild and woolly. It's like open in terms of audience participation. Yeah, it's uh, it's no normal rules of golf decorum. You throw beers on the green. Be loud. Trash talk, taunt, players interact with the crowd, screaming, all that sort of thing. It's just a big booze fest. Uh, but with Liv, it's, it's it's splintered, so it's it's not as good of a field. Yeah. I will year. tell you, we have more than one person who's at the Waste Management Open tomorrow scheduled for picks. More than <laughs> Hell one. Hell yeah, really? More than one. That's so funny. It's That's always, awesome. It's always Super Bowl Sunday? It's always the week leading up to the Super Bowl. Yeah. Wow. yeah. yeah. One exercise, if we, assuming we get one of those people, say... Hand the phone to the most famous person that you see. <laughs> yeah, good good point. It's a good call. It's a, it's a huge celeb hang. But, I mean, more so when the Super Bowl was there. Right. That, that was what was so crazy about it. That's why I wanted to go to the Super Bowl so badly last year. 
Like I, had, I had a buddy who was doing Super Bowl and Friday, Saturday of Waste Management Open. I'm like, That's also why a ton of MLB players are there already because yes. they're already in Arizona at spring training. Correct. So, yeah, they, all, so they just go. And, and they all golf. Because yeah. spring yeah. training is very, very soon, even though there are a ton of free agents still unsigned. I hate my sports offseason. That's yeah, bad. Oh, it's not terrible. Good. It's not good. <sighs> Thank you to Dave Wanstead, who was on the show today. He was fantastic, as always. We also heard from Arturis Karnishevis. Connor O'Donnell, Kevin Lavka, Twitch chat, video stream. Thank you, sirs. Great job by those guys, as always. Nick Wright is going to join us tomorrow to talk Super Bowl and Chiefs. We will have the Super Bowl pick segment at 3 o'clock. Tell a friend. If, if they've never heard the ridiculousness of this show or you're trying to get people into this show. That's a good one to send them send, to. Tell them to listen tomorrow at 3 or send them the podcast after the fact. It uh, kind of speaks to the uh, ridiculousness of how we approach this thing. Shane Reardon is our executive producer. Thank you, sir. Chris Tannehill makes us sound better than we are each and every day. For Matt Spiegel, I'm Danny Parkins. We are Parkinson Spiegel. This is The Score. All right, I got to go here, guys. I'm, I am I got something. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts Baseball is back and so is MLB.tv Watch every out-of-market regular season game on your favorite streaming devices anywhere, anytime, all season long Follow the action live or on demand Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.